0: record because I. Sure. this is a great conversation and nerdy um yeah (laughs) so we're talking about world of warcraft um yeah so my one friend like i never install like the dps meters right i don't use any of that stuff like i go in and i want to play right and i just want to have fun and he's like oh i'm switching to this and i'm doing this because it's the cool thing to play or it does the most damage or everybody wants one he's metagaming it right and he's like okay i'm gonna tank and this and this and this and i'm like play what you like yeah and he gets mad at me because i keep saying like what did i tell he's like play what you like yeah because i'm like i'm sticking with my same guy that i have for the last two and a half years and i'm just riding with right. it because i have fun yeah i like being mealy i like being in there and arm seems to be the only kind of yeah fun viable build for it so he made a mage and he went with fire because he was told it was the best for dps and he made a uh, a blood elf because he was told they were the best for casting and i'm like and he has the DPS meter he's like oh I think I'm up to this and this and he's like oh wow you're really and I'm like I don't I don't get the infatuation with it I'm just having fun I don't get kicked ever yeah so it's like I don't get the
1: no I play uh, mostly I play my my red paladin Um, I don't care about you know this talent versus that talent. I never run a DPS meter. My son always whispers to me, holy shit, you're like way at the top. like like we'll, we'll be playing when we were doing the the Arcmond raid, like the last the last big raid at the end of Legion. Um, uh, I was I just happened to be spec'd in like the the primo spec. It, it was just because those talents to me made the most sense that they were the most fun to play as. And I'd been using them for PvP as well as PVE. Because, like, um, they just seem to be, like, better for survivability for me. And then I, I just enjoyed running up to things and stunning it. And, and you know... Some decisions yeah, make common sense, yeah, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it like, just made sense. I didn't sit there and figure out, you know... Oh, mathematically well, this, squeeze it. This to, website says that this is the best trinket, the best blah, blah, blah. I didn't care. I just wanted to have fun. I'm, like, I'm not trying to raid, you know, World First or, yeah. you know, Mythic, whatever. I'm just trying to have some fun, get some gear get the little achievement you know for me it's the mount I want the mount at the end of it that's all I really care about give me the shiny trinket and uh so I'm just in there having a good time but what what makes him laugh is like we'll be doing a big complicated fight and I'm one of the last guys left standing like if if we ever like when we're learning the wipe he's like you're always the last guy left standing. Like for the most part, like the tank goes down, yeah. A healer gets popped. Everybody starts losing their minds and running around and like freaking out. And you're just in there, just just going. And it's like, are you like you know looking around? Like this is kind of a nice place. <laughs> like I'm like Logan. Do you know how many times I have died on a raid? Like it's in the thousands. Do you many wipes I've gone through on different characters through different expansions? It doesn't matter. I guess it's on its fourteenth year now. So yeah, and I've been playing since the first year, so I've done it all. I've seen all the bosses. I've wiped on all of them, and I've been there like on a raid group learning. You know, I can. I remember doing Molten Core for the first time and being just blown away and listening to the the MC Raiders song for the first time because when it was all out and everybody was getting all excited to be like in the first official raid mm. and, and then getting chosen to be in the raid team was just like wow this is amazing and and then we wiped and died and wiped and died and wiped and died until you figure out the little idiosyncrasies for, oh, okay, at this point, this class needs to do this and this person yeah. needs to do that and we have to do this this way and move this thing over here, interrupt this. And so you sort of figure out and learn what you have to do now. It's it's a lot different. And I find when I'm, when I'm playing, the raids have any kind of challenge. It's the stuff where they've thrown in a mechanic where you as a player have to not be standing in the fire or you have to be aware of what's around you or what's happening. What's or, the new
0: one where like these little
1: spore clouds come out? Yeah, if it hits you, it goes
0: again in three directions. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you have to be like And people screw it up every time. It's yeah. in the it's in the, uh, the the third wing, I think, of the new raid. And I I did the looking for raid version of that. And this guy was trying to tell everybody about the fight and and I was thinking, well it's looking for it's an LFR raid. Like half the mechanics aren't gonna be on. And whatever's on, if we can't survive this, then I mean, honestly, like yeah. <laughs> that group of people is gonna drop anyway. Yeah, the guys that get annoyed will will leave, and the rest of us that don't really care and are just trying to figure stuff out and have fun are gonna stick around, and we'll die a couple of times and whatever. And and uh, but I'm finding that the patience level uh, of the players has changed a lot. I think that um, and I, and I kind of blame esports for this because it's like everybody has it in their head. It's like when when YouTube became kind of a big thing. And they all want to be a YouTube sensation. They want to be that next big YouTube guy, right? They want to be that superstar, that next ninja, that next whatever. So they're all playing the crap out of these games like, you know, Fortnite and and whatever. Um, Now there's this group of players in World of Warcraft that are convinced they're going to be the next world first group. But they're not anywhere near that level. They're not even close to that level. They have, like, they don't understand that you're not going to get to being a world first team, Unless you're in the world first team, unless, and you're not going to get to there until you've grinded your way all the way through all the other crap, and somehow somebody recruits you because of some numerical mathematical thing that they figured out online, where they've posted everybody's ratings,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: they go, "Well, we need a shaman that can do this, and you seem to be one of the five that can do it. Let's invite you to our thing and try you out. And even then, you're not gonna, like you're, you're going to be a one percent of one percent of players that's going to be doing it. But everybody who's playing is convinced they're the next 1% of 1%. And they treat everybody else around them like they're a letdown because you're letting them personally down because they're not that 1% of that 1%. And it's like, that's not how it works, man. If you're that good, you have a group of players you're playing with who are also around that good, and you're not in LFR. If you're in LFR thinking you're going to be that guy, then you're playing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and LFR, well... Because LFR for yeah. me is really just a chance to increase your gear see what the raids look like and kind of decide. It lets you play in the I big boy pool, but at the shallow raid. end. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Cause ratings, a commitment. Like I did it for years and I, I, and it burnt me out because it's such a commitment. You have to give up a set amount of hours on a set amount of days where that's all you're doing, and it becomes like a second job. But in the meantime, you have to make sure you've got all your potions, you've got to make sure you've got all your food, you got to make sure you've got proper gems, you got to make sure you get got the proper enchantments, you got to make the money to get all that crap together. It becomes a second job, and it just sucks the fun out of it for me. It's not what I want to do with the game. For me, I want to collect the things. I like to collect the appearances. I want to collect the mounts. I want to collect... Like, I have a sickness where I want to be able to build... All the recipes in in engineering. So on my engineering, my guys
0: and I picked uh, mining engineering, and yeah, I think yeah. my engineering's at twenty three because <laughs> it's
1: just I haven't taken the time to like yeah do it. My engineer uh, is my hunter, and he's at max level right now. But I am going through the list of the recipes I don't have, and I am farming those dungeons to try and get those missing recipes not that i'm gonna make any money off of making the item i can make with those recipes but it's just for me it's more of the yeah i've got that recipe (laughs) you know i can make that thing that nobody wants but i can make it
2: (laughs) yeah
0: no and i get that because yeah i've been running through like the original four right yeah and Mm -hmm. trying to get just Tier 1, Tier 2 armor, and then whatever falls on from AQ. And I just want to see what it looked like, right? Because I wasn't there. And um, do you know who Asmongold is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know As, yeah. I've I've actually uh,
1: played with him a couple times on Twitch. Uh, We're collecting pets. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. Because
0: I just fell across him. I didn't buy the new expansion. I was burnt out. I didn't even do the final raid. I was just, I'm done. Because I got to the point where I think I had done looking for raid, normal and heroic. And I was like, I don't want to waste every night grinding more, right?
1: The only reason I still play is my son, because he plays and he's got a bunch of friends that play and so they often go on and they drag me on and then we'll have a group like a yeah. group of players and some of his friends are really, really good. Like they're so good. If they had encountered me when I was good, they would have kicked my ass. In the Holy game. Like, crap. They're really, really good. They're good metagamers. They know what they're doing. They know, they know how, to, how to communicate with each other very well. Like they do arenas together a lot. Yeah, you and need I watch or... them, and I'm just like, I'm blown away. Like my son always says, "Oh, come to arenas with me," and I'm like, I am not, I am not an arena <laughs> player. You do not want me on your team. I will tell you right now, I am probably the worst arena player because I'm not. I just spam buttons. I don't. Dad, care reflexes about are a real thing too. Yeah, and I'm not as fast as I once was at all. I know that. I am yeah. absolutely, I'm fine in dungeons, but I know when I go PvP, people. I can do fine in, like, a battleground. I'm fine there. Because um, the, when I'm playing, I have survivability. I know my class. But um, arena teams are a different beast. Like Those are people that have metagamed to to the nth degree, and they know what they're doing. They know, oh, it's a paladin. Oh, it's a rep paladin. Well, to do this, I just have to do this, 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 watch for this spell, do this, and do this, and he's dead. And they just nuke you, and you go, yep, I'm a to let down.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know.
1: I still felt that I had,
0: like, (coughs) decent video gamer reflexes and then the Fortnite craze happened. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, like, eight-year-olds murdering you, right? Like, I'm looking through a scope and then when I finally zoom in on somebody, his bullet's, like, coming for me. Yeah, yeah. And it just... Yeah.
1: Yeah, my son played Fortnite a little bit. um, And uh, he looked at me and he goes, oh, I hate this game. I said, well, then why are you playing it? Like, that's what... I I feel like like
0: a lot of people feel that way.
1: Yeah. But I,
0: like... Cause Xander and I did a season and a half, and we bought right. in, and they made like you pay the ten dollars each for the season, yep. and you buy a few skins, and like I can yep. see why they're making billions of dollars. Well, I
1: know my son sunk at least a hundred dollars into that game because he bought a bunch of skins. Yeah, and whatever, and that's and some sort of season pass type yeah. thing. And and to me, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not doing it. Like I'm not willing to put money into that machine if I I played about. 30 seconds of a game of Fortnite and said, no, this isn't for me. I'm not into, it's a PVP game. I mean, it's all it is. And you yep. build, I don't understand why you're building things and then shooting at people. <laughs> like that part of it was kind of lost on me. Um, but I was watching him play and he was really, he'd walk away from a night of playing it and he'd be almost angry. And I was like, video gaming shouldn't make you mad. Like this is enjoyment, right? Like this is a thing we're doing for fun. So if I'm walking away from my game, really angry, why am I playing that game? <laughs> like, yeah. It's time to go, wait a minute here. This is my thing. I put money in for entertainment. I'm not being entertained. I'm being annoyed. Oh, no. You're beating your head against the wall. And that's
0: like, because yeah. you're one of 100 that gets dropped on an island. Right. How many of those people are way better
1: than you already? Because it's not, right. your
0: chances aren't one in 100. And it's not an even playing field. No, right? No, like
1: No. Like you look at kids like that ninja kid and everybody talks about him. And it's like, well, that guy does this for a living. This is his job. So I guarantee you, you think of all the hours you can put into it from you you go to school or work, you have family, other things. He's still in that chair doing that thing. Yeah. That's his thing. He's going to do that thing until the next new thing comes along. And then he'll do that thing. And it's guys like guys like Asmongold. Like Asmongold has a crazy collection of mounts and everything else, but people give him things. Yeah. And he's also, he lives on World of Warcraft. So... I can't imagine that being my life. I, I have no desire for that to be my life. Like to live.
0: This week his best friend talked him out of it. He's yeah.
1: actually playing a different
0: game all week. Wow. and taking the leap. Crazy. So he but yeah, he has a he's got 19 to 23,000 anytime I go and see what yeah. he's up to. Yeah. And they're all like finding him in game and handing him stuff all the time. And the donations are insane. Yeah. Like Yeah. All stream long, he's just but he's I like him because he seems really lowbrow and I just appreciate right. listening to somebody that
1: just talk. Cause you can't, Well, I like that. He isn't afraid to kind of ask that. Why, why are we doing this? Like when blizzard comes out with the new expansion and everybody is either excited about it or not excited about it. He just sort of looks at it and he goes, no, this is crap. I don't like this about it. Or, you know, Oh, I like this part of it, but the rest of this is crap and it's the same with like uh gaming and ravenclaw and all those guys Bellular, I enjoy watching too like they all have differing opinions on things and I like I I mean I like watching them because I find them entertaining people like I find them interesting to watch um when I was really into being a hunter I wanted to be really good so I watched a lot of ravens videos mainly for the the rare pet um teams because that became my new challenge was to go find that pet that could one shot you and to yeah. tame it, <laughs> to be the one guy that managed to not die and tame the damn thing. And uh, so I do have a collection of really interesting pets that way, um, which my son loves because he, he loves to see the, the weird stuff. I, I like. love
0: seeing people roll in with yeah. just weird shit. Right. Like, yeah. And even like the battle pets. Right. Like, right. I was going through my inventory this last night and i didn't even realize there's a bone and i thought it was just some crafting item i looked and it's a pug yeah and so i'm like this is awesome to now i'm this giant terrifying looking orc with a pug yeah with (laughs) this
1: i've got a pug that has a top hat (laughs) my (laughs) my daughter loves that's the thing i love about that part of the game is that's what my daughter is into is all the little collectible pets yeah so because of her i've got tons of these little randomly cute that's their pokemon things yeah thing, right like, yeah and i don't do poke pet battles but you find them everywhere i mean where mm-hmm. you go there's another pet and then sometimes you'll find a pet out in the wild and she's like you got to tame that one dad you don't have one of those and so of <laughs> course i have to stop and we have to battle and tame it and then she has to name it and it's, uh-huh. it's a whole thing <laughs> and, and i but i think that's time with her that is you know one-on-one the two of us and we're doing something together that she's enjoying, and I've created a character for her on the on my account. That she just messes around with. It. It's like a level four mage. Yeah, <laughs> she's got no spells, but she wanders, through changes Dalaran. which pets yeah, following her. Yeah, she changes her pets. She's more excited just to explore Dalaran because there's stairs and interesting buildings and what. Dalaran's a very beautifully yeah, done. Yeah, she thinks it's cool. So that's her thing. She's nine, you know. I mean, that's what a nine year old's into. Um It was the same with my son when I started playing World of Warcraft. Um, he wanted to play really badly because he he saw I was having a good time with it and I was always talking to my friends and so he would get on the voice chat I gave him his own little headset and (laughs) he would you yak away to everybody and he would create I probably had an army of level 1 to level 10 hunters at one point and they were all dwarves and he would get to a certain point in leveling where he would decide he wants to restart and so he would just create a new hunter, and level that guy to like. Like he didn't 10. like leaving the starting zone? No, he wouldn't there? leave the starting zones. He would hmm. just level him to the end of the start zone, and then he wouldn't delete the character. He would just leave him, <laughs> and then he would start a new one. And so one night I got an alert from um, one of the, the GMs that my account had too many characters on it, and I was like, what, what are you talking about? You can't be right. And I looked on the, the realm list, and I had all these characters across all these different realms. Because when he would fill up a list, he he'd just go to the another next. realm. <laughs> so I had to go through one night, and I asked him, like, which one do you want me to keep? Because I can't keep all of them. we got to get rid of some of these guys. And I deleted a bunch of them off and moved like go, the money to one of his characters on the realm. So he's, he had, like, one character in each realm that had... You know, less than a gold piece, but I just didn't want to get rid of his cash on him. So, you know, <laughs> you could probably give more money to him. Yeah, though. I could give more money to him than he would, you know. but It was just it was what he was doing for fun. He was having a good time. And now he's got his own account and he's he's got uh, no gold at all because he spends it as soon as he makes it, just like his old man.
0: So. I don't know. See, and that's the thing. Like, I don't spend it on anything. I just, like, I'm doing the quest lines. I'm doing the world quests. Yeah. Um, I've done all, is it 10? dungeons 10 12 i can't remember i've done them all on heroic yeah Yeah. um and i'm not one of those guys like i don't i'm not in a decent guild so like i don't want to go stand outside a door and be like hey take me in with you right so like that's where it ends for me right so then i just queue up for looking for raid right um and do that once a week like i got a super cool um mace where it glows purple and the gears on it are constantly moving and rotating and moving it looks so cool right yeah and um but yeah, like now I'm into the transmog things so where I'm like, it's almost like having a Barbie, right? Like I'm yeah, my, well <laughs> picking my, different outfits for my, my dude. son and
1: I are and we compete with each other. Like he'll he'll go run the same dungeons I'm running at the same time to see what he gets versus what I'm getting. So it's kind of like a fun little like, comparison of what's going on in in game. And what makes him mad is we did on we did anyxia, This was probably about a year or so ago because I I probably farmed that stupid mount. For which like, one were you trying to get Oni mount the, okay. the dragon never drop never drop never drop finally got the damn thing well the same day I got the Onyxia mount I got the Stone Drake from uh Stonecore within an hour holy <laughs> My son was just pissed he's like jokingly he links me to the Onyxia mount haha I got it and he didn't get it and I got it I said haha I actually did get it <laughs> and here let's both ride our I sent oh. him the screenshot and and then uh I was like, oh, I'm going to go try and run Stonecore a bunch. Maybe it'll drop. And he's like, oh, it's not going to drop. You already got a dragon today. You're not going to get another dragon. <laughs> and I ran in there. I probably ran it and reset it like a dozen times. Going through on the last one, the damn thing dropped. And I said, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this, slogan, but I actually got it. <laughs> and he's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I said, no, come look. Come look at my screen. He came upstairs, and sure enough, I'm sitting on the stone drake. <laughs> Nah. He was just mad, just walks away. <laughs> He's like, "Of course you got it. Of course you got them."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, son of a yeah,
1: son of a blah blah blah. <laughs> so I still have actually two dragons I don't have, so I'm still trying to get those two. But I mean, that's that's the way that game works, right? Everything's a .001 percent drop rate of me. I noticed a that because really I was,
0: and then the worst was, um I wanted to go through Old Karazan because that's mm-hmm. where you get Gorehowl. Yeah, and. um I looked at the numbers and then I did that chess scenario by myself and wanted to die. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're in there by yourself. Because right? it's old content. And I'm like, yeah. and you got to hop between the chess pieces and move them. And yeah, I figured it out once, took my chance, didn't get it. Yeah, and I've like, run
1: the Headless Horseman hundreds of times. Have yet to get that stupid mount.
0: If it wasn't on Malchazar at the end, I probably yeah. would keep going back. But you have to get through the chest to get to him. Yeah. and go up the spiral of the tower right like yeah if it was some dude in the front door i'd just walk in and out right until yeah. i got it yeah. but it's just like and i think it's like eight percent off Malchazar, Something, if like it's that. even that it's high very high yeah. but but some of the other drops are cool but then i wouldn't be able to use them like i think that's where like lights justice drops is also yeah. like, off of him yeah. like there's like three high-end name like f- famous warcraft weapons yeah. that all drop off Melkazar, and i'm like it's it was been such a pain to get to yeah like yeah. even some of them still have their mechanics like when I was going after Nefarian in that first room you have yeah. to take over that dragon and
1: right you gotta pop the eggs pop and, the eggs
0: and I when I, yeah. like I didn't read anything I thought I could just run through all raids and kill everything so I yeah. ran into this one and I'm like well, what the fuck <laughs> <laughs>
1: I had the good fortune of having run that raid back in the day. So I remembered you had to pop the eggs. And I remembered what an absolute pain in the ass it was to do at that level at that time. (laughs) I kind of dreaded it when I got in there. I was like, oh, I have bad memories. And then I ran it and I was like, okay, it's not that bad. It's not that hard. Well, when you're but, 120, life's easy. <laughs> yeah, when you're 120, it's a lot easier. Yeah. I
0: think Nefarian was the first thing when I started going after the old gear. Nefarian was the first one that took more than one shot to kill. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> or for Ragnaros, I just, because I played Hearthstone for years. Rags is easy. Yeah. But I wanted to just look at him and like see the, and yeah. he like, you come up to like his pelvis pretty much, right? Oh, so, yeah. I triggered him and then tried to back off so I could just look up yeah, and see him, right? And just like, oh, yeah. some of these guys are dead before I can look at them, right? Because right. I run in, hit them, and I'm like, oh.
1: <laughs> I always let them do their first activate, like their little first little monologue, and then I wipe them out. Because I kind of like to watch the, the lore, you know, the story kind of unfold. There was something in AQ that killed me. There's a couple things in AQ that'll kill you if you're not... Like if you go to Yogg-Saron and you don't, do, like you don't hit the right... Uh, thing to get out of the prison, the mine prison. uh It just kills you at one shot. Be there something. was some
0: bug and it like yeah. flew up and something it did like nuked yeah. me. Yeah. And I was like, how is this thing killing me? Right. But and yeah. then I'm a warrior. So I'm like, come down here. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of times where range is very nice. <laughs> I and I was like, fuck am I like so? I'm trying to think. I'm like, is there anything like because I swear there used to be some way to like throw something as a warrior? Well, as
1: a warrior, you used to have a bow. I think you, you used to be able to, to be use able anything, to, right? You used to be able to pull with, a, pull with a bow.
0: Oh, really? I know that if I find bows in the game, if I equip them, it mm-hmm. unlocks them for transmog, and it yeah. doesn't do that with everything. Right. Like, it only does it for plate.
1: Yeah. But it. Do, I don't think there's a weapon that I can't unlock. See, back in, in the original World of Warcraft, um, when you were playing, like, this is the thing that's missing from today's version of the game. When you were playing, if you were a warrior... You could do ranged pulls with a bow. The bow wouldn't do a lot of damage. You didn't have any ability. You were a specialist. You just but you could shoot things from a distance. And so a lot of times warriors would do that. They would line of sight pull something. So if you had like a really tricky pull with a bunch of like mobs around it and you wanted just to get to one group. I'm
0: gonna pause for one sec. Yep. There you go. Working around the plumbing getting fixed. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I get to work on my editing today. There you go. Um, so oh I was t- um, so yeah you used to be able to do line of sight pulls where um, you would have to shoot an arrow at something pull it around the corner and then engage it and that was back when you really had to watch aggro right like because uh, if a tank um, it was really like the toughest part about tanking back in the original game was it was almost like a math race so if the tank didn't establish aggro on on the creature well enough ahead of the DPS players. Um,
0: the creature would just turn the corner. Like yeah, it would
1: be impossible for the tank to get the thing off you, and so you'd watch like a hunter or a, a warlock most often because warlocks were kind of out of control back then. Um, just get basically two shotted by something, and then they are down a DPS player until the fight's over. So yeah. it became kind of like that that management of, of the aggro and managing the pulls and. I heard and tanking like got that.
0: made easier or like easier to hold aggro and wrath.
1: Yeah, but yeah, before they, that, warriors
0: would lose things all the time. Yeah,
1: if you were a warrior player, you had to be really on top of your stuff. You had to be constantly like you were you were basically taunting, shield slamming, taunting, shield slamming, taunting, shield slamming. And then some players would, would have that's where I think they came up with the DPS meters and the aggro meters was the tank would watch until they got a certain percentage of aggro built up and then everybody else would go in on on the creatures. Like oh, for example Anyxia, okay. you'd have two tanks at the front one of them would be trying to just generate as much aggro as possible because she was really notoriously tough to kind of hold the aggro on. And you would want, and she would do a debuff, I think, so you would have to, like, off-tank. So one tank would build up, the second tank would build up right behind him so that when this guy dumped his aggro, that guy would pick it up and then the rest of the raid didn't get nuked by this thing. And uh, everybody else would just start slow DPS, you know, he'd <laughs> just be like... Okay, apply a little bit of a damage tick, apply this, apply that. And then slowly the group would just start going in with their full, you know, damage. And you had to really watch. Whereas now, it seems like as soon as you engage that boss, everybody goes like balls to the wall. Oh, you're dropping like, your nukes on it yeah, immediately. Yeah, you're like, right? kill this thing now with fire. And everybody just goes apeshit. And there seems to be like no, like,. Slow control to the fight. It's just like everybody just just unleashes their their rotation immediately, and then you know, and, and that's where guys get mad. Cause they're like, "Who lost it?" You know, because we aren't supposed to do that till the end of the fight or whatever. And it's like, well, I mean, it, it's not the way it used to be back in the time. You used to really have to carefully manage all of your, and I think that's what people are having a real hard time with right now with the current build, is it went back to the global cooldown. Which is where it was at the beginning of the game where the global cooldown really meant you had to watch your stuff. So you had um, a trinket ability but it was on the same timer as a potion. Oh. So you would have to look at your mana and decide do I need to take a mana potion now or do I use a healing totem or a mana totem and then when the mana totem comes off the timer, potion. And then you would have to time out what you were going to do so you had to really sort of plan your rotation which was a lot more involved than it is now and on top of that you're trying to manage whatever mechanic they had in the game like i remember when we were doing Zol grub the first time there's this whole fight where you have to turn your screen to a top-down view because the ground fills with all of these explosive eggs and when they blow, they have an AoE, so they, they affect a certain area. Mm-hmm. And you can't avoid somebody in the raid hitting one of the eggs because somebody in, in, in inevitably will forget the top down and hit an egg, and they're going to kill somebody beside them. And so as the healer, I can't die. I have to stay alive. <laughs> so no pressure. I, I had a macro designed to flip the mouse so and then to flip it back. So you had to learn how to do that shit to play. And I had macros designed so that it would burn two cooldowns and cast a spell on player X, which was always the tank. <clears throat> if I saw the tank was going down, I needed to throw my Hail Mary heal, and then start just focus healing on that guy. So you had to really manage your playing as a player. It was uh, it was pretty intense. I remember, yeah. like spending hours designing macros and stuff. And Holy then, crap! You know, like <laughs> casting macros, use this, use that, and you know, uh, rearrange the camera. Um, pivot if you had to turn around real quick because there was like a, a blinding flash effect. It would, would stun you if you didn't turn around immediately. You would have to like quickly hit a button to flip your guy around so you didn't get blinded and then turn back around again. And so, I mean, it, it was really intense for a while. But that burnt me
0: out Yeah, from reading. And that's Asmongold. Like, I didn't buy the new set and I was kind of yeah burnt out on it. And then I don't know how I tripped across him. And I started
1: watching and just he's usually pretty high on the twitch streams
0: yeah it must be or like a youtuber he popped up somewhere right and i'm like yeah i just like the way he explained it i like the way that he talked about it and i like the way that he didn't cut any crap right like i like
1: his his i don't give a shit attitude mm -hmm. like he doesn't care and i love like when he he kind of pokes fun at the guys and gals that take it really really seriously but then he also takes it seriously yeah you know I like so, when he goes
0: through the forums and he starts yeah. reading but then he clicks on their main yeah and he's guy he's like this guy's only done LFR why is he trying to tell what like right yeah yeah he pretty much tells everyone to get out of town unless right. they're at his level right <laughs> unless
1: you've run the mythic raids you shouldn't be telling them how to run mythic raids right? because Which, um, um, I think sense. that's
0: where all the things where I found out about that app
1: yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and um, so now I'm running it but he has he's approaching 98% of everything done in the game yeah everything yeah and so he's specific he's like you specifically looking for specific yeah he's missing a few mounts he knows he's missing a few things here and there or like a yeah. battle pet here and there and that's what he's doing on stream now but then half the time when he says okay I need this people walk up and hand it to him if they can
1: right yeah <laughs> which is kind of unfair because if I need it I need to go find it and i got to grind it until I get it and then if I ever get it and then I move on like there's some mounts I've been after for years because they're the the mob that drops it is on a timer and it's a random timer. And people claim to know when it's going to spawn. But really, Oh, there's timers on certain? There are certain mounts that are timed. Yeah, like there's that, that timeless proto-drake where you have to find the drake flying in you know a certain zone at a certain time on a certain day and it only spawns what? once like every server reset. And even then it's only got a 0.01% chance of dropping the stupid freaking mount. <laughs> but is that a healthy way to keep players? Well, I mean, by like, if you think about it this way, all that Blizzard wants is you to continue putting money into the machine, right? So if I'm going to continue keeping my subscription going simply to chase after that one stupid mount, the one carrot on the stick, and if I'm still willing to go in there and pull the handle and take a shot at it every week, then I guess that's the way they have to keep me going.
0: See, and like, since I started watching him, that's his big argument now is that it's a zero skill, and all you're doing is just yeah. gambling for what you want.
1: It's all you're doing.
0: and But it's super easy, too. But the odds yeah. of getting what you want have just been made higher, but there's you're right. not in as much of a dire circumstance.
1: But think about it from the, the standpoint of mobile games, right? Like I mean, a mobile game is just gambling. That's all it is. You, you get into a game, and you have the feeling that you have a chance of playing the game. But then every 30 seconds, a pay thing pops up, right? Oh, it looks like you're out of crystals. Well pay 9.99 and you'll get another batch of crystals which will allow you to do this thing that you can't currently do because you're out of crystals or you can grind the crystals over a month yeah and you know and maybe you'll get praise on the patience thing. Thing. Too, like it yeah. totally praise on your patience and it's all designed to be a grind right world of warcraft's no different it's totally a grind i mean if it wasn't a grind you would you would get those things simply by doing a quest You know, like you would get the Timeless Proto-Drake by getting a Timeless Proto-Drake quest, Mm -hmm. going out in the world, completing that quest, and the reward is the Timeless Proto-Drake. Otherwise, it's a... Well, if you randomly happen upon the thing in the world at the right time, you might randomly, hopefully, get the (laughs) opportunity that the egg might drop. And you may get the dragon... Or you might just get a shiny sword that you didn't want. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Do you think it should be more challenging out of the gates, though? Or do you well, think they should let the casuals kind of walk their way through?
1: What's happened with... It's not just World of Warcraft. It's the gaming industry as a whole. Is the chain, It's gone from being just entertainment to being a business right I mean games are always a business you, want, you make a game with the hopes it will sell and you'll make money but now it, it, you're, you've got the thing where you've got corporations so you've got shareholders and sta- you know, stakeholders like Activision and Blizzard are two you know they've, they've merged and now Blizzard isn't really in control mm-hmm. of everything the way they used to be because now they have to answer to stakeholders from another company all that company really cares about is making more profit from quarter to quarter than they had in the quarter previously they don't give a shit if World of Warcraft is more entertaining all they want to know is quarter three to quarter four did we have the expected increase in funds based on the money people are putting into it if you look at their Destiny 2 game which they're now currently selling at $29.99, Twenty nine ninety nine, as they say. The Did we just get it for free? Well, it's come out like it only came out what six months ago, seven months. It's ago? It's in the last year, yeah. Within this year, it was a, a disappointing game to Activision, even though it sold more copies than they were expecting, because it didn't make as much profit as they were hoping for off of the game. So they've loaded that game up with all kinds of loot boxes and ways to get money out of players and they've turned it into a grind fest, but now you can get the grind fest for twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it tells me they don't care about the player playing the game as long as they get the player to open their wallet and put money into it. World of Warcraft hasn't kind of gone that far yet, but they have, and and I've, I've made an unpopular argument before that it is really play to win. See, my son talks a lot about trying to get gold cap on his character, and then he, it's like... Well, he doesn't seem to, like what I, I've pointed out to him and I've pointed out to other people is that the game is designed so that you don't hit gold cap without putting money in to get to gold cap. And and he always looks at me when I, when I say that, but it's like, if I wanted to make a pile of money right now, all I have to do is go and buy a bunch of Blizzard tokens and throw them on the auction house. That's all I have to do. So I pay 50 bucks, I get two tokens. When each token sells, I'm getting about 230,000 gold. I'm essentially buying gold in the game if I do that.
0: Wasn't that their system to get rid of the gold farmers that were? They...
1: Well, that's what they'll tell you, but that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so they say that, but then they come out with a mount that costs you five million gold. Well, who doesn't want the 5 million gold mount? It's a giant prontosaurus. Four people can ride it. It's amazing. Of course you want to be the guy that can drive that thing around the mount. You shouldn't have told me about that. <laughs> but well, I know it's there, and I know how to get it, and it's not going to be from making bags or doing this or doing that or playing the auction house for a year. I just simply go throw some money into the pot and buy the mount. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's really what it boils down to, is that the intent of the game probably not what they intended when they put the the token there, but they built that system right into their own game. Yeah, and I know their intent was to get rid of like the you know the Chinese Japanese gold farmers, but they've created their own gold farm and their own way. Well, they of, un, yeah, it's like undercutting. They, they, they undercut made their own themselves. system, yeah. and and they've given you the ability to just throw money into it. I mean you have the ability to buy a mount if you see Well there's a, mount. a ton in the store. Yeah, you go on the store. You can go, and they're oh, not cheap. For fifty bucks I can buy this mount. Well, what are you getting for fifty bucks? I'm getting a shiny pony that doesn't really exist in the real world. But um my son did this. He went and he bought a blizzard a blizzard ticket for last year. So oh, the BlizzCon virtual ticket. He wanted yep. to have the stupid blimp. Okay, the blimp is cool, but is it sixty dollars cool?
0: I mean, yeah, but there's kids paying fifteen dollars on Fortnite so they can floss. <laughs> <So>
1: exactly, <it's- laughs> that's the system. And there used to be this old joke on on um, I think it was on South Park where they wanted to the game designer wanted to design a um, a credit card swiper <laughs> so that when you were trying to do damage with your sword, you would swipe your credit card, and the more money you could give through the, the <laughs> swipe, the harder damage you could do. And That's pretty like, much what it's. We're with now. not very far off from that. If this is no. what we're already doing, you know, um, and I'm just as guilty of feeding that system as anybody. I just bought Spider-Man for PlayStation 4, which was an awesome game. I really enjoyed the game, but then I stupidly also bought the downloadable content pack, which is like three uh, additional. Was it costumes? Missions. Oh, it, was, it did have missions. Had, I thought it, it was costumes in okay. there as well. Um, but and and the missions were fun. They're great but they're only like two hours long a piece so you blow through them before you know it and then you're done and it doesn't add anything really to the game or take anything out of it it's just I just paid another $30 for another six hours of gameplay you
0: never and my friend Paul was ta- we were talking it through and he finally said it because I couldn't f- think of like it didn't dawn on me the exact way he goes you can never buy anymore a completed game no ever I mean, when I
1: bought that game, I put the disc in my PlayStation. I waited almost four hours. Well,
0: go to bed and let it happen, yeah. To, down, <laughs> to download
1: the game. Yeah. What's on the disc? What's on the $70 disc I just put into my machine? Right? Like, why do I have to download the game? Probably because it was unfinished and it on, has to patch. Right. It shouldn't be that way. If you're giving me... The widget, the widget should be ready to go as soon as I throw it in my machine. I think this is why retro gaming is going to be so popular because people like the idea of taking that disc or that cartridge, throwing it into the machine. You turn the power on, you play. You the have game. everything, yeah. It's all right there. I don't have to download shit. It's right there. I can play it. I'm good to go. Off I go.
0: Even the newest Zelda has yeah. two download content packs. Yeah. Like, why? You, Just give me the game. You never get a complete game. No, I can't think of one.
1: It's that, that games-as-a-service model, right? You know, and I mean, I've been playing a games-as-a-service model game for 14 years, World of Warcraft. Yeah. You know, um, I've put in a sickening amount of money into that game. It has years. never
0: changed from $15 a month. Never. And they, I don't think they've ever wavered on free-to-play.
1: No. No, they got free-to-play till level 20, and then they limited what you could do. As Which a is probably three player. hours of work now. But yeah, it's all three hours. <laughs> it's really just enough to give you a taste of how to play the game. Yeah. And and you can't chat with people, so they I mean they were smart enough to do that.
0: Oh, did they remove yeah, whispers? You, or? you can't
1: whisper. You can't talk to people as a level twenty, as a level, as a free to play player. Mm-hmm. And that's just to keep people from creating free to play accounts and spamming gold sellers and stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah. But then they just go buy a disc for a buck or two bucks or whatever it is yeah. at the those EB Games, and they install it, create that account, and create a new account, create a new account, create a new account. Right? They just they know how to do it, so They're yeah. I don't the see game. them
0: in chat like I used to.
1: I see the odd one or two. Depends on where you go. In it's the not game. like
0: it used to be, where like yeah, it, it was constantly really every zone. Who wants a yeah. hundred gold? Who wants hundred yeah. gold? Is probably nothing now, though, right? Like right. Well, now <laughs>
1: yeah, hundred gold you can make that doing a couple quests, right? I mean, which is out, scary. You sell one item off of a quest that you didn't get, didn't need, and you've got a hundred gold. But I mean wasn't it 50 gold in the
0: original days to get your first ability to ride a like just to do riding? I can remember
1: grinding to get enough gold to buy flying on my flying mount for the first time because I think you needed like 500 gold yeah to fly and that was hard to get because back when we first started playing you weren't getting gold as really every re- reward for doing quests you were getting gold for selling items um you'd get gold for crafting stuff uh if you were skinning and selling the the leather you'd make some money that way but the auction house wasn't really robust back then i remember when the auction house kind of really took off people got really kind of crazy about it um but yeah i can remember like not having 500 gold for flying and spending a week just grinding to get to the the 500 cap and then having like no gold because you got your flying mount that's all you wanted was the flying mount <laughs> so I can remember doing that was it flying at 60 also I yeah remember. you had to be level 60 and you had to have the 500 gold I can remember being like level 55 and being like 150 gold short and just spending like a week just grinding <laughs> just just mining stuff <laughs> running around mining and mining and mining and just selling the ore and like hoping for gems because the gems would sell for a ton and you know things like that because you needed the gems to make specific things that the raiders needed oh to, for the high end yeah so you would have to feed that economy of raiding before you were even close to raiding so I remember the big thing was the um, thorium veins and you would be getting crisp, like diamonds out of them the uh, azurite diamonds I think they were thorium diamonds I can't remember what they were some sort of diamond it would drop like once every 40 times yeah, you mine yeah. 40 nodes or something that you would mine. And so I remember having a circuit in Ngorok Crater where you just like go around the entire crater over and over again mining these stupid things um to the point where I probably I could close my eyes and do it, you know. <laughs> just over and over and over and over again. Um and then finally hitting the 500 gold and being like, "Woohoo, I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> I can just I can fly, but now I can to mount <laughs> Yeah. I remember I had to make enough gold to be able to afford to fly to where I needed to go to get them out. <laughs> and then to be able to fly. <laughs> yeah. So, so. It, yeah, I remember it being pretty painful.
0: I've heard that they regret flight at
1: some times also. I think so. Because there's an expectation with flight that being able to fly allows you to skip all the content. Mm-hmm. Right? You can they, get anywhere.
0: And... The other argument I think was that it ruins PvP. If you see someone coming, you just jump on your thing and fly away. Well, and
1: not being able to to do combat while you're mounted is really goofy. But even when we got to do, um, like, we did the first big expansion, we went through the Dark Portal and you were in, like, the Blasted Lands and and all of that stuff. There were a couple of areas where they had, like, a PvP kind of um, PvP centric world PvP. Um, Like Capture the Tower stuff, yeah. Yeah, and so you would have guys that would sit on those little floating islands above the PvP thing, and they would just watch to see how many players were in the area, and then they would then go and take over the thing if there was nobody around. And as soon as people showed up, they'd bugger back off up to the islands up above. And so it became kind of a game to get enough rogues up on those little islands to nuke the guys that were up to trying to hide out before they could flip the PvP stuff over, because you would need to have that little um, town flipped to your faction in order to access like a vendor that was inside there that you needed oh. for like a, a special weapon or a specific like um, Kim Murphy sold a recipe or what have you. But you you couldn't get access to that guy unless you were faction controlled that little town so people were constantly flipping it back and forth between horde and alliance
0: isn't there a zone right now like that
1: yeah yeah there is
0: and i've got to wait for it to flip alliance and go back to horde before i can attack that lion's roar yeah the big the big 40 machine. person yeah
1: thing yeah that's kind of the one nice thing about the way things run right now like back when i started the game if you had a world boss that was a 40 person world boss you had to plan to go after it. You had to have a group of 40 people willing to get on at the same time, meet you there, and then you'd have to mm-hmm. plan a raid to, to fight the thing. Whereas now you've got the looking for group finder thing, and you can just go, well, I need 40 people. Oh, yeah, you, you click know, the eyeball click and thing. There. I'm there, I'm in, let's do it, kill the thing, move on to the next thing. Um, so for that, it speeds things up greatly. But it also kind of kills the socialness of it because nobody talks to anybody. So, you get into this 40 man raid. Nobody says a word to each other. You nuke the world boss. Everybody just separates. Yeah. Group just dissolves. Everybody goes back to the thing. Leave group. Done. Yeah. We're all done. Thanks again. Thanks for that. You know, wham bam. Thank you, man. We're done. And uh, everybody moves on. But um, back when I started playing, it was a very, it was very much a social activity. Like it was a thing you did with your friends for that social component. Now that's gone from the game. That's one thing I think is really missing. I think that's why I'm not really as sucked into it as I used to be. Because it's it's missing that social aspect to it, right? That,
0: yeah. Like I know, once again, Asmongold was bitching about sharding. Because they talked about bringing that in for classic when it comes yeah, back.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, that's the big argument. They say it's going to be the original game. But then they're right. like, but we might add Raid Finder. Or, but yeah. we might add this.
1: If they add anything, it's not the original game. That's and see, like where's yeah. like I didn't play it, so I don't have like. I played all the way through it, and and it was really a challenge because, for example, if you like you play play a warrior, <clears throat> if you warriors back in the in the original version of the game, didn't have a self heal. I find
0: it, it weird that I do have one, right? Have like I have to kill something to, to heal, heal on the next thing. But you thing. have yeah,
1: and it heals a lot. A lot, and back in the day my buddy Chad played a warrior all the way through and how much time I, did he spend sitting and eating well he and I leveled together i okay. was leveling as a healer he was leveling as a tank and then we had a buddy who was leveling as a dps so the three of us would would team the up Holy together, trinity yeah <laughs> and we would run off and we would do content together but on the days where he was on his own he really struggled because he could like he couldn't pull Three or four mobs, and you'd fight. have to fight one thing. Hope you he got to fight it. Fight one thing. Hope you killed it. Hope the other thing didn't grow. Right. If he got two things on him, he was dying. Yeah. And doing the corpse run back to his body. Sit somewhere safe. Yeah. Eat.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or Eating and drinking, I don't feel is even a thing anymore. Going through right? bandages like yeah. crazy, like band. I remember first <laughs> aid was a thing. You When's had. To the like, last time I crafted a bandage? Yeah, you had to make bandages, and they actually
0: helped. Trade skills? Do they even matter? Can you make something that's better than the a draw? The only
1: thing that matters now is the mounts. Right, I mean, that's the only thing that really matters right now.
0: Yeah, like I've heard that. And that's like, I didn't even bother. Like, I remember I picked up engineering and started making a few cool things. And it's like, nothing's actually... The one that still was kind of useful until I got the mount that had the guy that could fix my armor was yeah. the little thing on the ground that you could click on it. Yeah, with, the auto hammer. Yeah, yeah, the auto hammer. Or the
1: repair bot. The repair bot was good.
0: Yeah, and I had that, yeah. and that was useful until I finally could afford the one mount, right? See, so like, when
1: when I was originally playing as a shaman, um, one of the one of my favorite things was I had two resurrections because I could do a resurrection spell as a shaman. I had my onks, so I could res- self resurrect. But then I also had the gnomish belt so I could run up to somebody and I could defibrillate them and bring them back. So I had three shots at it during a fight. Holy. So it was pretty handy that way. Okay, gonna pause again. Shifting gears.
0: The so yeah, like the conversation continues. Yeah. <laughs> we can walk away from World of Warcraft an hour later. Um sure. <laughs> Yeah, like you brought up uh Magic the Gathering. So yeah, like I said, Richard Garfield has now designed two new games one is completely digital called artifact and it just came out on steam i believe and it is the dota universe so i know nothing about it
1: yeah i don't know anything about it. but
0: dota. it's magic but it's in three lanes and okay. you have to kill the guy in all three lanes and keep moving your guys so you have, it seems way more intricate right yeah but everyone wants that hearthstone money
1: well, I, I did try. I did download and install Magic: The Gathering Arena this week.
0: I quit after five games because there I'm was no. S- yeah,
1: there's. I don't know. It, there it was looks, no
0: smooth introduction. Like it was yeah. like, here's your first five decks. Press play. I press play. Right. I entered and I played against a guy who had a tier one deck.
1: Right. You see, that's the thing that my biggest complaint right now about that setup is you're not being matched with anybody of your skill or well, not purchase just level. your skill, but of your card skill level. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, and, and if you have never played magic, um, it's very pay to win in, in a way. Uh, I've played for a long time, not competitively because I, I did try to competitively play for a while. And, and I found, I just got tired of sinking all this money into, um, you know, into this thing. It's supposed to be a fun hobby. It's supposed to be something you can just do. I like the chess factor of it, you know, the, the outplay your your other player. The competing against somebody, trying to outwit them, bracing them to, to zero, basically. I like that portion of it. I don't like the... Oh, it's going to sound so harsh. I don't like the attitudes of a lot of the players.
0: I'll call them metagaming assholes if you don't want to.
1: Sure. <laughs> There's a lot of players in the local player community who I've witnessed personally taking advantage of players that are not of an equal skill level. Uh, I've seen players push around younger players who are trying to get into the game and cheat to beat them in a game. Um, And and I don't like that aspect of it Uh, to me. I think that's part of the video game culture of the wanting to be the best at something regardless of the cost, right? The I'm willing to cheat to win. I'm not willing to cheat to win. I want to have a good time. Yeah. I'm not there to play I mean like if I wanted to go there and play the the absolute unbeatable card game, you could build that deck. It'll cost you probably about $10,000, but you could build it. And most people who are playing a game like Magic have invested thousands of dollars into their cards just because of the, the blind purchases, the need to purchase specific cards. It's
0: four sets a year and you probably need to at yeah. least buy one to two boxes. At least. So at least to 250 to $300 kind of at least, you know? every three months.
1: Yeah. and And so that really got wearing on me. I don't like investing that much money into something that I'm trying to do for fun. So, and also I found like my son wanted to play and he played in a tournament with me and we weren't playing at the same table because obviously that's just impossible. You get put wherever you are. Wherever you are. And he told me that the player he was playing against openly cheated and he wanted to call a a judge over (laughs) to the table, but this guy browbeat him into not calling a judge. And had that guy not gotten out of there before I had known who he was, I would have put him over a table and spanked him in front of the whole group because that's just ridiculous that an adult would do that to a kid in a card game being played for no monetary prize. I mean, it was ridiculous. You, you know, you're going to bully a kid into accepting you beating them when you didn't clearly beat them in a card game. It's to me that just it soured my whole it was actually the last tournament I ever played in. It turned me off so much. Yeah, and, and I, stopped I don't stopped even going show up at Friday from. night magic because those same people are still there and I mm-hmm. don't want to play. I'm not interested in playing an adversarial game of magic. I want to have fun.
0: But then you wonder why the attendance goes from 20 to 30 on a Friday night to 12.
1: Yeah. It's because toxic players will kill the, 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 any kind of culture they're involved in. Yeah, um, You can have the best game in the world, but if the player base that shows up is toxic and, and they're, they're tainting that pool... People are gonna stop showing up. It'll work with Heroclix. It works that way with magic. It works that way with video games. <laughs> I like how you brought up hero clicks. Well, I know like you were really into hero clicks. I never got into it. Because I stopped it was, because it has. It seemed like it was the same culture of people, so I didn't bother. Uh, and
0: know? now and and I moved to magic, and I was like, this is refreshing. It's awesome because like yeah. there was Chris, there was Lorena that I knew. Right. Kent Little is an amazing guy. Um, Merv's there he's pretty casual. There are
1: great players in the in the city for sure. But I would like, put it at twenty-five in to
0: thirty percent of them are great guys that'll yeah. help you, tell right. you what you've done wrong, and now it's probably over fifty percent are just assholes, right? And right. like,
1: hero it's, clicks it's the same with yeah. anything. I mean, even if you're looking at uh, Games Workshop games, same thing. I got into playing that with my son because he really wanted badly to play. It's a gigantic financial investment because those stupid little models are not cheap. They're sixty dollars a box for one unit. For an
0: That's not even like pewter anymore. It's not
1: even painted. No. You got to assemble it and paint it. But for me, that was part of the the draw, was to have that time with your kid where you're doing something together. We would create things together. And then we went and we played one game in a store, and it was such a giant turnoff. We've never played against anybody except for each other since.
0: I still have from the relaunch somewhere down here. And I still haven't even like finished building them because it was just like
1: eh. if you go on my instagram you'll see pictures i've got a whole army of orcs and i've got an army of dwarves the dwarves are my son's army okay the orcs are my army and that's <laughs> just what we liked so that's what we painted and played but we don't do anything competitive anymore because of that that culture is just so toxic we don't want to dive into that pool
0: yeah well um, there's your percentage of the pay to win guys yeah totally and they might be even nice people, but they've, they have the best of everything, so you're not right. going to compete with them.
1: No. And I play a lot of EDH, which is the Elder Dragon decks, the 100-card singleton decks. And I play them because EDH players are usually players that aren't interested in crushing somebody. They're interested in either winning magic and interesting in interesting and different ways. Or just seeing what will happen, that random chance of you have 100 single cards in the game, depending on the color of the general you've chosen. um, And every time you play it, it's a different deck because you can't really control when it's 100 deep, what seven cards you're going to pull when you pull your first seven cards. So I like that aspect of it. It's a lot more fun. And also it's always multiplayer. Yeah. So it's not you versus one person. Because half your strategy goes out the window when you see what the other guy's playing. When, you know, you've got your 100 blue cards and somebody across from you is playing 100 red cards, you go, oh, nuts. It's going to be a <laughs> red versus blue over here because yeah. you know that guy's going to be trying to burn you down and goblins to, to until next Wednesday. You know? And that was the
0: last piece of magic that I hung on to, and I think I still have a commander deck sitting here yeah. somewhere. But even those Wednesdays, like, fell apart and... You get people that find like the hundred best cards and it's just there's always the tryhards, right? And
1: Yeah. I play pretty casual. My son's got some friends that play, so he and I get together with them and we just play magic and I have a bunch of EDH decks put together that most of them are pre bought decks out of the store. Deliberately not meddled with at all, just left exactly as they are. And I did that for balancing. Like so that we have somebody comes over and they never played it before, I can go, try this. And they can try it. And I know that that deck is difficult to beat. And they actually have a chance of beating us.
0: It's tuned for them, yeah. It's tuned, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, it's set up that way. Uh, And then I have a deck that I've built for myself, which doesn't win a lot of games, but it's just fun. I like the fun interactions that happen. Like, I like to win games in unusual ways. If I can win by making you draw too many cards that's awesome you know (laughs) they're finding ways to break the game into things um the last game we played actually i held the entire table hostage with a card while i was trying to set up my combo to beat them all and i won by making them all draw through their whole deck that's (laughs) hard to get people to deck it's 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 tough to do but if you can pull it off once in a while like that's a deck where you'll win like one out of every 100 games yeah but when you pull it off it's like yeah i did it. with magic
0: it's when you go to draw a card if there's nothing there you lose right you lose yeah yeah because with Hearthstone, it's... The first time you go, you take one damage. And right. then if you have to draw again, it's two, and then it's three, and, and then it's, it's four. four and then, so and you, like, die. slowly burn yourself out, too. Yeah. So everyone the
1: thing has- I didn't like with Hearthstone is I did play it for a while. And I tried. I played I played almost an entire season last year. Um, what I didn't like is the uh, the unbroken metagame. Like, there will be a card interaction that people will figure out. And it seems to take blizzard a really long time to catch on that interaction oh they know on. it's happening but they they don't fix it though no and they just let it sit there like that jabberwocky crap was ridiculous oh you didn't like Shutterwalk? no i didn't like that at all and because it would become the only thing you play against right like that's the thing i didn't like with magic online is when you would get playing as soon as the there was a deck du jour that everybody would net deck yeah that would be the only bloody deck you would face so all you had to do to win was look at that deck and design your deck to beat that deck. And nine times out of ten, that's the friggin' deck you're playing. Yeah. And it, and that gets boring to me. When you're playing against the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over again, I don't care if they win or I win at that point. It's just, please, just get me out of this game. And I that's the thing. Like,
0: out. Team 13, who works on Hearthstone, they'll come out and be like, you're wrong, Shutterwalk's winning 49% of its games. Yeah, But, that's but they're not... not- yeah. but it's like okay fine go over here into the legendary ranks and tell me yeah when it's piloted by a competent pro player right i want to see what its winning percentage is not this brand new guy who bought all the cards right. and doesn't know what he's doing so he's getting beat down by aggro decks yeah and that's their thing like whenever people complain about a deck they'll just come up and be like it's winning at 50 percent. it's fine
1: and it's like yeah. but it's not but you're looking at it everybody who can build that deck is building that deck and not everybody can pilot it the same way right like it's a skill intensive yeah, deck it is
0: it's an asshole deck yeah I've played it myself just to like try it um,
1: it's like playing that asshole that's playing deck destruction hand or land destruction in magic right it's like he doesn't have to be good to win with it he just has to keep playing land destruction and then you get frustrated and you leave the table
0: yeah <laughs> well have they done land destruction in the last 15 I think at some stuff. point they realized it was a feel bad it's really just an asshole way to play yeah
1: you know it really is
0: no and hearthstone yeah. i think is it in my mind it should have been taken over already i think like they introduce so many rng elements right like oh yeah play this card it hits a random thing like yeah it's out of both players control so you either have one person going like oh wow that came out of nowhere but wow that really helped me win and then on the other side right. you have a guy who's like like, I have never felt more cheated in some of those games right. where it's like, say, the mage, You're it'll be like, to win, and yeah, suddenly, play this guy. He creates a random mage spell. All of a sudden he got fireball and I'm dead. And I'm like, and I spent all this time running him down and I was going to win the next turn. It's just like, yeah.
2: yeah. And so it's I, pl- frustrating.
0: I play it because I don't feel there is valid competition. Like, I've done Elder Scrolls um, card game. I don't like the two lane aspect. Right. That doesn't speak to me. Um, Louis Scott Vargas, the famous magic player, he has a game, but it's also mana driven. Like, you gotta, so you, yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've become finicky, right? Like, I don't like flooding or, um, what's the opposite? Trout, yeah. yeah, yeah, or mana screw, right? Like, I don't yeah. like those aspects, and that's why I ran to Hearthstone because it's every turn you go up by one, right? I like that. You curve out,
1: you get a land every turn, basically,
0: yeah, yeah. and I like that. And Elder Scrolls, Scrolls and Hearthstone do that, yeah. I like Hearthstone better, it just
1: the one thing I did like about Hearthstone is is if you had a specific class you liked to play, you could comfortably play that class for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I enjoyed playing, uh, well, I played Mage a lot. Yeah. But I also liked playing um, the Druid quite a lot because I liked, Druid just feels like a green magic deck, you know, like big They creatures. do have the ramp. They have the big There's beasts. ramp. There's... They self-heal. There's, you know, there's options.
0: Druid's been busted for about two years. Yeah. That it's like, it's never like the
1: deck. Yeah, but it's always up there.
0: <clears throat> but if you play Druid, you can win yeah. lots, right? Like yeah. I've been rocking the one, do you know which card Hadronox is? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you play taunt guys all game long. And then right. if he starts taking over, you play the spider, kill it yourself because right. you have that one cost um, yeah. kill spell boom you get all your taunt guys back right. and some wizard <laughs> created a card that says bring back a beast that died this game if Hadronox is your only beast you get him back again right? and, and again keep recurring and, and that stupid gelatinous cube or whatever that yeah. when it dies so like there was one game where I played well not play but had seven I went through seven Hadronoxes right like
1: yeah that's a fun interaction for you though. like that's, that's it's fun something. to do it but like
0: I don't know. I've been on both ends where like there's just there's asshole decks and I don't think Blizzard does their job. Right. Like I know when because Ben Brode quit and no one really knows why. And he's the guy that was in charge of it when it was the paper card game. Right. And brought it over to digital. And he kind of went away and no one really made much of it. And um, but he was big against combo decks.
1: I think that's why he went away, though, because he wanted he wanted you to be able to build like your deck was supposed to be a character in World of Warcraft. On a card format, it wasn't intended to be another version of Magic, mm-hmm. and it turned into a version of Magic, basically. You know the archetypes are all there, the playstyles are there, combo decks are there. It's it's very much, you know. There's card draw advantage. There's you know lots of control aspects to things. There's there's lots of parts where you can quickly and easily draw conclusions between. Yeah. You know, is this just a ripoff of Magic: The Gathering? And looking at the Magic: The Gathering Arena game. To me, it looks like it's it's honestly a... Um, it looks a lot like a mobile game. Like, that's who I think their audience is.
0: But I think that's just... I, everyone, I think, is trying to catch up to Hearthstone. Hearthstone oh, has sure. yeah. that the look, the sounds, um, <clears throat> yeah. the cool animations, and people learn that they like that. Well, and and so, and, yeah, and the Magic
1: the Gathering Arena game is basically a clone of that. I mean... Yeah. The, the tabletop being animated, I mean, mm-hmm. come on, that's right. Little off. things you can
0: click on, yeah, and like yeah. when you play a drag and it fly, yeah. Like we've learned that there is a success yeah. formula to it, and you want to be able to right. take it in your hand everywhere, right?
1: Yeah. my My question to them, and they won't answer this online, apparently, is what's going to happen to all of those people who own Magic the Gathering online accounts and all of their cards? Because I can't imagine they're going to continue funding to support. Both. Two different formats of magic. And all those people that have sunk those money into those cards, they've always said that those online collections, they're, they're considered to be as valuable as real-world cards. So are they going to then send everybody who has an account the those real world versions of those cards? Because if they do, I have a Black Lotus in my collection. I'd like that, please. And,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I can buy a second home. And, and I can buy
1: a second home and I can retire. And you do? That's impressive. Yeah. I got lucky. And uh, so um, because that, that's where I'm kind of concerned because I do have money invested in the online game from years of it being around. It's been around for forever. Wasn't it at one point? Because I
0: remember Greg used to play it in the store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the time. All the time. But I thought it was if you completed a set, you could right. cash it out and they'd mail it to you. Yeah,
1: you could collect an entire collection and then you could submit it to them. It would come out of your online collection, mm-hmm. but you would get the paper versions of those cards. And they would—they have a window of how far back they'll go on the sets. Oh, okay. So there is. But I mean, if the they shut it down, can be made that if you're going to close that down. You either have to allow everybody who has that collection online to roll it into the new thing, into their library, or you got to pay them out.
0: I don't think Arena's ever going to back.
1: Arena doesn't sound like it's going any further back than the standard.
0: Yeah, like I think it starts now and just goes. Yeah, like whatever the Dino Pirate set. I think that was the one they started it, uh,
1: with. Can, I think is what yeah. it's called. I haven't bought any of the physical cards for that set. I don't. I don't. Not really familiar with it, but
0: no, I like. You had said that the environment just got to me. Yeah. Um, I'm fine playing competitive with friends.
1: I'm fine just having a game. Of yeah, right. Like the kitchen table and somebody wins, somebody loses. Yeah, I cares, also, you know,
0: I also didn't like I got on during M15. And then so what was that? Then right. Theros block and then dragons, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. which I was having super fun, right? Dragons, is,
1: they're just so fun to play. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it was a great flavorful set, right? Like Theros yeah. was whatever, right? Like, yeah. but the first box I opened, I think, had a foil Thought in it, and I'm like, ding, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, and it's just, and I really gravitated to, um, oh my god, Obson, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I just good flavor to it, yeah, like, yeah. I just really like almost like the Egyptian kind of feel but yeah. then like but they had the big beasts from green and right. the healing from white like and then some of the removal of black right it was this nice mix I think um, the
1: last set that I bought heavily was Theros I like that Greek theme you yeah know, that that Greek monsters and yeah um, I really enjoyed the, the Japanese theme too the Japanese set I can't remember what it was called Um but I played that a lot and I started playing on Magic 4 uh, fourth edition. That's when people really came into playing. I had had never encountered the game before and suddenly these guys had me playing and I got into uh Dark Steel and Mirrodin I think was the f- okay. very first set I bought. You seem
0: to have a lot of enabler friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. my friends are good, but they're the game me lots of, First
0: it was magic, then it was Warcraft. At oh, least it's
1: not drugs and alcohol, right? I mean yeah. spend I don't have any money for that stuff and spending it all on magic cards and <laughs> and tiny plastic figurines i was just gonna say gi joe and stuff so um yeah
0: yeah. when you posted i finally got to see your shrine right like oh yeah yeah
1: yeah. my studio
0: (laughs) and um i think it's super cool because yeah like i'm pretty sure we're roughly the same age right and like so growing up it was like gi joe transformers and star wars with the big three right and i had a smattering of each and like somewhere there's still so much of it and like yeah i meticulously yeah. like when i bought the guy i cut out the profile cards so i've got a stack of those profile yeah, cards i got a somewhere.
1: whole case of the profile cards um but
0: there. the figures that elastic band in the torso yeah, it's just an o-ring i know but it didn't like i remember just re- taking them apart replacing yeah. it taking them apart and yeah. so many like the joints would break so like none of my figure figures are worth ever really handing down i think a dog ate gung-ho yeah. and he's like mutilated but like the machines actually stood up pretty well. You know,
1: I, I've been restoring. I've been getting some of them. I'm lucky online that um, I've made some good online friends. And and um, I picked up a couple of broken vehicles because I was always that kid that could fix the, the toy. Like, I was never afraid to, you know, take out a soldering iron, hot glue, whatever, and put it back together or make a new toy out of it. You know, if I had part of one thing and part of another thing, it would become a new thing. And and so, getting my hands on some forty-year-old GI Joe vehicle that's missing a wheel, and knowing that I have spare wheels yeah. in a bag, I can fix that. I'm okay with that. So yeah,
0: yeah. So I wish I would have known this sooner yeah. because um, the jet, the big white fighter jet, yeah. was sitting in my old bedroom up until five years ago. And well, you Mac- gave that
1: to me, so it's. But it, it. how
0: busted is it?
1: Not bad, actually. I've repainted it. I've uh, fixed but it, it was in
0: immaculate it. condition yeah. with all the stickers, the seat, the parachute, the guy. Yeah. Up until it was given to Xander, and then it's he crashed it into the sandbox and left it outside for the winter. <laughs> well, so it's like it's sun bleached. It's destroyed. It's like I felt so bad because like
1: after I posted my um, my picture online uh, of my little um, collection of toys i got a i'm gonna give them a shout out because this is this was a super nice thing uh big boy collectibles in the states uh follows me i guess on instagram oh nice and they noticed i was missing a few little pieces for things here and there they sent me a box of the missing stuff really so i was missing the cell door to the gi joe base okay they sent me the door so now it's 100 percent complete I was missing wheels on a jeep and I, I have some spare wheels so I was going to put them on they sent me the undercarriage to the jeep so now I had this undercarriage of a jeep with four perfectly good wheels on it right on so that's the one I customized <clears throat> I th- I put it up on Instagram the other day I was messing around I had some old backpacks where the the spear the little thing that attaches to the back of the Joe had been busted off so Mm -hmm. I painted them up and I made a little cloth canvas tent and folded it and stuck it underneath there and glued it to the hood of this jeep and did all this stuff to it because I I don't know I just I think it's um if you're good
0: at fixing it because I still sitting at my mom's there's a bunch of broken like I had the skidoo yeah but the skis got snapped off the front I
1: can fix pretty much anything it's um it's just a matter of time like how much time do you want to invest in putting it together yeah it really is um, but I've always done models. Like as a kid, even I used to love doing models. Like I don't know what I, why. I think I just like that quietness. That that sitting there and working through a problem, and you know, just just doing something like that just puts you so at ease. I used to draw for fun, but now I draw for a living, right? So yeah. it, for me, if I'm not doing something, if I want to just quiet my mind and not think about the next story I'm working on or the next cartoon or whatever, um, if I'm not playing a video game. Um, I'll be sitting at a table with you know a toy that's all busted up, fixing it up. Or yeah. Taking a tank that I have four of and customizing one of them just because why not? I've got three others, right? Like I'm not gonna wreck it by making this one look really realistic. I'm doing a Cobra His tank right now where my son and I are figuring out how to turn it into a remote control car because <laughs> I noticed that the interior of the the bulk of the the tank just sits empty underneath. So there's the, room the guys. to put some parts in there. There's room to put an entire engine huh and there's space for the wheels already there Mm -hmm. so you just gotta put the engine in this thing and put an antenna on it and you're rocking so i'm working on that if i get that thing finished i'll put a video up on instagram to show the cobra his tank driving around because i just think that's cool to mess with stuff like that but those toys there's nothing like that now like you can't find anything as intricate as those things like i've got um We've seen yeah, like the moving online. parts,
0: the working parts. Yeah, the like, action figures could do a hundred more different movements than Star the, Wars the, guys uh, could. Full of
1: detail. Yeah. that was in the GI Joe line was. Crazy. And as a
0: Canadian, I appreciated that all the equipment had the Canadian flag on it, right? As like, opposed to the American flag.
1: Hasbro took the time to make a Canadian line, and an yep. American line. So I liked that all that's, my that's weapons of mass destruction
0: had a. Uh, well, yeah. Cana- I don't know if the, was it F sixteen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that had the Canadian stuff on it, but it I know did. that I had the tank that had the two D batteries in it. Yeah, yeah,
1: I have four of those. Yep. Yeah, there's another.
0: <laughs> if Xander ever stops looking, all I'm sure he doesn't care now. He yeah, was using yeah. it for stop motion videos.
1: It works. Yeah, but because yeah. it looks like a real tank, like yeah. there's nothing, like you said, there's nothing the level with that of detail. detail. Is insane.
0: Um, we also have the one that's got the twelve missiles. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the, there's a water moccasin sitting somewhere at that place. Yeah, we've the got boat. A couple of those. Um, yeah. yeah, there's so many of them. I just got to wrangle them up and put them in a box.
1: I've been attaching uh, the airships to the ceiling, so I've had nice. to. Nice. Uh, I've got one F14 in amazing condition, just hanging from the ceiling. The one that you gave me, I've taken and I've actually turned it into. It looks like it's being shot down. So the one compartment... It looked like it
0: was being shot down when I handed well, it over.
1: <laughs> the one compartment, I got the engine from Big Boy Toys. Yeah. They sent me the engine. So I put the engine into the one side. The other side, I Like the black bunch things of, that... Yeah. Yeah, they, they fell out somewhere, me. so... Well, I got one. Okay. So the other side, I, I made an engine out of leftover car model parts. And so it looks like that side, the engine had been blown apart. So I'm going to hang it at an angle from the ceiling so it looks like it's spiraling yeah. down. And, uh, yeah, it should should look pretty neat when it's it's finished, so... And that's um, the
0: thing, like, when you said, like, zoning in and kind of tinkering with stuff, I don't think enough people do that, and I think, like, it helps just kind of with your mind, because, like... Yeah,
1: I think that's why I'm so laid back, because I don't let stuff bother me. Like, I, you know, I can get it off my chest and just work through something else and kind of relax a bit. Because
0: I don't even know, like, I had bought that imperial assault Uh, i was looking at that yeah and um i i don't know it must i don't know what it was but it bugged me that they were unpainted figs right so i sat down one month and just painted a buttload of them and worked really hard and like i got Lorena to help me because she's really good with painting minis i would ask her like questions about like dry brushing or like washes and stuff and so like by the end some of them ended up looking super good but like you go into this zone and you're working on something and you're it takes your whole concentration. Does, so you're not yeah. thinking about like whatever it shitty things bothering you, right? Yeah. It's it is very meditative, right? Like yeah. and uh, I remember I went and tested out a float tank okay. earlier in the year. How was that? Um it's really freaky to be in a um, um sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, like that alone, right? Like,
1: see, I, and as an artist, to me, I'm a little weary of that. Like, you're I left alone
0: with your thoughts.
1: I don't like playing around with things that play with your mind, because my brain is is a creative engine. You know, like I've got, for example, I, I was talking to Carson last night. He does, and usually by now I'm working on the next cartoon strip because we have it comes out on a timed schedule. Yeah, and I realized I haven't gotten a script from him. He injured his arm. He can't type. Oh, no. So last night when I was sleeping, my brain wrote an entire four-page strip. I got up this morning. I penciled the entire thing. And I sent it to him to say, hey, man, don't step on your toes. But uh, my brain, you know, that's just how she goes. <laughs> I went here. I went here. I wrote it down. I wrote it out. Just let me know if it's okay or not. And then I'll ink it and send it in if it's okay. And uh, um, But that's how my brain works it's it's probably one of the reasons why I don't drink or do drugs is because I'm afraid to mess with that engine that engine is humming it's doing what it needs to be doing like I've had a really productive week this week I've already written two comic books for another thing I'm working on I, I've i done a uh, another comic book that I'm working on with Jeff Burton the Aurora Man stuff and I've done a bunch of strips for him we're doing a bunch of things for like newspaper type stuff I don't want to mess with that like when it, when things are firing and going good you don't throw a bunch of jam into the engine to see what's going to happen so i'm afraid i'm going to get into that tank and i don't know i'm kind of well one i'm not very a big fan of being thrown into an enclosed space but being left just in my own thoughts for an entire period of time i don't know it kind of like 90 minutes seems
0: long but it goes fast yeah But like, it's weird, right? Because it's, I can't remember how many hundreds of pounds of Epsom salt to, so it offsets. You see, you're floating. They keep it at body temperature. So then you don't know you're in water. You think you're just floating. Just hanging around. And so all of a sudden, like I'm laying there, you dictate whether it's full lights, star ceiling, pitch black, and then you put earplugs in. Oh, okay. And, but the rooms are soundproof too. And I took float now where it's a big chamber. Like, I don't like those ones that look like the little, yeah. like, birthing pods from a sci-fi movie. That looks right. enclosed and, like, I would right. freak out. But theirs is, like, a big chamber. You walk oh, okay. into it, you lay down, and you just, you float, right? And I started with the starry sky and then halfway, what I think is halfway through, you don't know, right? You lose time. right? And what I felt was halfway through, I just, I said, fuck it. I hit it. And all of a sudden, it's the weirdest feeling to, like, open and close your eyes and you don't know. There's no difference. It's pitch black. Um, That would bug me. (laughs) There's no sound, right? Because you have these wax earplugs in, plus the room is soundproof. And so, like, even if you lift your arm, you don't hear the dripping, right? Right. And then you're laying there. And so, like, I enjoyed it, but I did it after everything, like, after a divorce, after all. Like, if I would have done that during when I was stressed out, I would have hated it. Because you're left with your brain to spin.
1: Right. Yeah, and nobody's worse <laughs> to you than you. Right. like, like And so, like,
0: yeah. and I've heard of people like Joe Rogan talks about doing it high. And I've heard other people say, oh, do it drunk. Your brain spins better. And I'm like, I like just going in there. Yeah. There was nothing around. My brain doesn't have a lot of clutter because I'm doing all right. Like, right. things are good. So I just kind of lay there, relax, and you can kind of go into this, like, what they call your lizard brain, right? Like, right. You get into
1: the zone and you're. Yeah, yeah. and
0: it, I liked it. I'd like to keep doing it occasionally, but yeah, like I think if somebody was stressed out, it would, f- like, I think you would have a panic attack because then yeah. you start. So for thinking, me,
1: it's not a stress issue. It's more just, I don't like my brain goes to weird places already. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I see the comedy and weird shit. Like, you know, I even this week I posted on Facebook. You know, there's that whole. Everybody's getting all like. There's so much of a rage culture, and just I have that written down, down to ask you stick. about. <laughs> you know, I, I poke people with a stick sometimes, but I do it because I'm. I find this shit funny, right? Like, I find it funny that somebody at PETA actually finds it that we should not use animal language. Grab the bull by the horns. Right? Grab the bull by the horns. Bring home the bacon. Blah blah. blah. I think if that is what you have. Kicking to worry a dead horse, about, right? Like, that's really what you have to worry but about. But there's
0: someone genuinely upset by that. Right. Which Somebody
1: is really mad about that.
0: And I thought I knew the
1: people on my Facebook feed, but no. I, I guess that not. came
0: out the same week as the Christmas song, right? There was also
1: the Christmas song. And then there was a video What is it, about Baby It's Cold Outside? Baby It's Cold Outside. I don't even know it. And there was a, a thing about... Um, there was a rage video about um, some female uh, comedian who was angry that the people that get to decide who's a bad guy and who's a good guy is a guy. Um, and then there was another video about something else that was all rage. Well, who got
0: pulled off the Academy Award? Is it Academy? Kevin Hart. Yeah, he got, got pulled because he said something tweets. racist in 2009.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a series of things. This whole week was a series of like, really, this is what we're upset about? This is our thing. We're, but that's we're where we're at that. now, right? Like, right, rage culture seems to have taken over. It's the thing, right? It's like, oh, I have nothing else to be upset about or worried about. I got up this morning. There was food in my fridge. My house had heat. No one's trying to assassinate me. Uh, my city isn't under siege. Um, we were out of power, though. My family though. <laughs> is safe. <laughs> yeah. We did have right? a brief power outage, but people were out there working and it came back on. Um, I know that I have gas in my gas tank and I have a job I can go to, and I'm relatively secure that I have you know, cash in my bank and, and that there's some security in my life.
2: Mm hmm.
1: So I don't have to worry. But if I look at people like Syria, who you know for the last, what, six, seven, eight, ten years have been dealing with an absolute nightmare, and I look at like the fall of civilization in places like Haiti, I, I don't get wrapped up over what PETA wants me to say. Isn't Venezuela still in a state of chaos? Venezuela is in a state of absolute chaos? chaos. People are fleeing a dictator. They're fleeing a life where they don't even have food. You don't have grocery stores that have food on the shelves because... Their economy doesn't exist, and they they're trying to flee to other countries because what other choice do they have? Yeah. But all the, the narrative that we hear in the media is that they're all criminals. It, really, are they? That five year old girls a criminal? I don't think she's a criminal. You know, and and to me, when I hear things like that, and I hear about like people fleeing from, you know, places like Venezuela, Syria, and no country wants to take. And it becomes this weird dichotomy of us versus them, and and it makes that makes me sad as a human. You know, to me, I think, why can't we just help each other out? We have so much.
0: I don't know where this genuine and it seems like hatred for the it, word it immigrant. It does feel like hatred. There's hatred for immigrants, and the and then the lies. Like everyone's like, well, Trudeau's giving all the money to the immigrants and not right. the um, not well, to the war veterans, and it's just right.
1: It's the rage culture, right? There's no facts, though, right? Like, we don't need facts, though. We've that, heard a thing. There was need, a tweet. Yeah. And that's the thing that... <laughs> you know? Like, like, nobody wants to fact check.
0: I know, but like... And I can't even express my opinion because I work for the government right and it's like I'm well, not even,
1: even if you express your opinion all you're going to do is become a new target of the rage culture yeah I mean, look like, at what I did I mean all I did is I made a stupid joke about and you a had a lot of stuff spin out of that and, and I don't know how many people people had are still ang- commenting on it I think it's, it's funny been a fucking week and has like, it been that long already yeah I commented on it like I think Monday or Tuesday and I said to I even said on there if I'm a cartoonist man if I'm not offending you then I'm not doing my job I saw that one because like really i and i like debate i am all for debate if you have a if you have a position and i have a position let's have a talk about our positions let's debate it out what but nobody I have does that trouble anymore with and this is what i think is really bothering me with this whole like rage culture is people don't want to debate they want to change your mind they want you to take on their belief they want i believe that this cell phone is made out of apples and i know you think it's made out of metal but no no, I believe it's made out of apples and you you got to believe me. It's made out of apples. But it's not. No no no, it is. Believe me. Yeah, I read an article. It's made out of apples. And <laughs> and it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. They're going to argue till they're blue in the face until you agree that yeah, that's a fucking apple phone. Of course it's made out of apples.
0: Yeah. And right? I keep going back to um and I went and saw him when he was here, Jordan Peterson. Right. Um
1: he think he like I love listening to him and people despise him. People despise him for the very simple fact that he questions everything and then people don't people are uncomfortable when you question the things that they believed their whole life
0: I've lost a friend over me liking him yeah and it makes me sad but they despise him and they won't listen because it's second-hand but have information. they actually
1: read anything no they written won't written watch anything, they won't
0: watch an unedited interview with him right or they won't like I went and listened to him right
1: and um, it's, when, when I first heard about him I was some angry tweets about the whole Not not wanting to use the the different Bill C H sixteen the
0: right compelled speech. And I was like, How
1: dare you, you're a teacher, you should be doing better. And then I actually looked at his belief on it and I was like, he's actually right on his you know, to me to me. May not be right to you. To me, I agree with what he was saying. um, about, you know, well, I you know, the 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 risks in, in putting that into a law means that now you can criminally charge somebody for the language they're using and that is concerning right there it doesn't matter what the intent is the result is concerning <laughs> right and
0: that was his argument he said there's never been in history right. a law that compels speech right that you have to say something a specific
1: and, way or you will be held criminally responsible Right. and the
0: ontario human rights code picked it up too in that and then he, right. but that's not what people saw because it was piggybacking with some with transgender yeah. stuff
1: and he wasn't saying he was anti-trans anything he's just simply saying that this is setting a very dangerous precedent in using law to enforce language. And on its face as a guy who works with laws, yeah, that is a very dangerous precedent. It's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. And so he was right in that way. So, but people don't don't want to stop to hear that. Like I had people telling me on my even the thing I said, the stupid little thing I said, there was just a joke to get people talking or laughing was well, you don't. You haven't heard their story. I'm not trying to hear their story. I'm just saying something. Mm-hmm. I'm just making a joke. Like, laugh or don't, but move along. I'm not. In, I'm not trying to start a fight with you. No. But if you want to start a debate with me, okay, great. Let's debate it. But don't come by and try to throw guilt at me for something I shouldn't feel guilty for. Yeah. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've gone through. Maybe I hate animals. Maybe animals ate my entire family. <laughs> Maybe, maybe this is I'm like, no, they're not going far enough.
0: They're killed by cows we have and to I'll kick grab the all the bulls down. by the horn. Right? Thing.
1: Yeah. I'm going to grab every bull I see by the horns. Like, yeah. you have no idea. Bulls have been terrible to me. <laughs>
0: I like, just like because he was a clinical psychologist, right? So right. he gets it. And um, he, the thing that he said that really resonated with me is he said, everyone wants to feel this unearned moral superiority. Like, right. I'm doing this. That makes me better than you. Even if right. their cause means nothing right but they have this cause and it makes their 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 cause is all yeah and they're up on their soapbox and you're the piece of shit right Right. and it's like
1: right and i get angry when i hear things like i was listening to this this lady this comic she's she's upset about what gives these good guys the right to say they're good guys and these guys are the right to say they're bad guys and i'm like who cares i think the way you carry yourself through life determines whether or not you're a good person or a bad person I don't think it matters who on which side of like why do we always have to divide ourselves like why what is with human beings that we can't just be human beings? We that's the thing. There's no individual, right? Like it's all like we can't just support ourselves as a species. We can't just be like you know what you come from Africa, I come from Canada. Why can't we just get along and be people? Like I don't see. I don't see people that like I don't divide people in my head by race, religion, culture, or sex. I don't care. I divide people by this person is a nice person. This person is an asshole. Yeah. And I only choose to associate with the nice persons. (laughs) Assholes come in all shapes and sizes. Assholes come in all shapes, sizes, races, creeds, religions. Nice people, same thing. Yep. And to me, I just try to put good things out, right? Like I try to be good to people. That attracts good people. Good things attract good things. Bad things attract bad things. I mean, it's a karma thing. That's what I've always believed. I've always believed that you kind of get back what you put in. That's why I do things in the community. Because I mean, I I feel like if I can be that one thing that helps somebody who's suffering get a leg up, and be a positive role model to get somebody to do something different, other than just following the the path they feel like they have to follow, great. You know, like when I grew up, I grew up from a, a single parent household. We grew up super poor. I watched my dad beat the living daylights out of my mom. He beat the crap out of us as kids. He was a raging alcoholic. That shaped my life in turning me around and saying, that's not the way I want to be. So I'm going to do everything opposite of what that guy's doing. Yeah. And so that's how I've lived my whole life is just don't do that. So I think that's why my, like my wife and I have a great relationship because we respect each other. Because I wouldn't treat her as anything other than just my equal. Mm-hmm. She's my partner. I don't walk into the house and think she's my wife. I own her. Good lord! I mean, if I ever had that thought enter my brain, it would have—I'd get murdered. She's a French woman. She would take me out. <laughs> but I, that thought never <laughs> enters my mind. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't grow up watching that so-called traditional role, right? Like, yeah, my mom worked multiple jobs was barely home because she had to make the money to support three kids on her own. My dad was never in the picture. So I didn't have a role model for a dad. I had to figure that out on my own. I didn't really have a role model for a mom. I had to figure that out on my own too. Because I don't think that dads and moms, I don't think those roles are, they're not just interchangeable. I think you're just a parent. You both are raising the kid together as parents. So I just try to be as positive as I can. right? Because I know... I know what the negativity side of it looks like. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that side. I like this side. So my kids, I'm super involved with, not to the point where I'm like a helicopter parent, but I like to do things with them. I like to show them that there are alternative ways to do things. So, like, my daughter knows how to use a drafting table to drop a cartoon at nine because she wanted to know. She saw me doing it, she's like, I want to know how to do that. And I said, sure, I'll show you. Not a problem. Here's some paper. Here you go. I'll teach you how to use the rulers. Here's how I use the markers. Here's how I use the pens. Here's how I use the paintbrushes. Here you go. I've never cut them off from anything and said, no, no, that's kid stuff, that's adult stuff. If you want to learn how to paint with oil paints in my office, let's do it. Let's figure it out. You know, am I wasting oil paint on a kid's painting? Probably, but they had a great time. I had a great time with them.
0: Mm-hmm. And they'll always
1: have that memory with them, right? So I, I don't know. I just I view life as just so short that we. I think you have to be... If you're not able to positively influence the things around you, then what good are you, right? Like that's how I sort of view things. Um, I had when I was even when I was doing art in school, like in high school, I never had a teacher come up to me and say you shouldn't do a cartoon, you shouldn't be a cartoonist, you'll never make money at it. I had people come along and said, hey, you're really good at that, you should pursue this. Um, let me see, try out these supplies. I got some stuff in that nobody else here knows how to use. Let me teach you how to use this. Let's see what you can do with it. And then I, you know, I had the good fortune to have Wolf Perot as my artist in residence. Like, I got to hang out in his studio and watch him make paintings and mix paint and, you know, go art supply shopping with the guy. Like, that was, to me, one of my most positive influences was to see that you could actually pursue art as a career of some sort. And you could actually do something with it other than just waste time. You know, sitting somewhere and kind of spinning your own wheels, mm-hmm. and so I'm hoping that other kids will see me doing stuff like this, like out in the community and doing the books I do and doing cartoons and things like that and having fun, and I hope that they'll want to pursue it because if they don't, then who's next after us? Yeah. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I think that's just I, I babbled a bit there, but I think it's no, just a big thing for me. You know, it's just trying to be positive. You know, and that's.
0: And I was going to bring that up because this is, like, I got a hold of you last week. This oh, is yeah. me at my one year, right? Right. And um, I did want to bring you in because um, I still, like, the books I got you to bring there for coworkers, right. and they're listening to the podcast and yours is by, like, by far the most positive feedback I get of anyone. Well, um, they yeah. love hearing it. Um,
1: I And it was... I didn't know what the fuck I was doing a year ago. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. The moment you know what you're doing, that's when you need to stop doing it. <laughs> because that's half the fun is figuring shit out and then seeing how successful you can be with it when you don't know what you're doing. And that's it, the thing. Like,
0: yeah. I just ramble with the stats every once in a while. I'm like, it's the most feedback i got was from yours the most positive stuff um i've lot cuz i work with tons of women um right. lots of them who are very like artistic and stuff they loved listening to like your thoughts and your upbringing and what right. you liked and your story and like still when people are like oh you do a podcast what should i listen to i immediately say start with number 1
1: oh yeah you got to start with the first one that's the first yeah and
0: one. well mainly cuz i talk the least in it but yeah <laughs> Like I cut and it's true. Like I laid out, I'm like, Hey, he's been interviewed lots. Like, cause I knew I would get, and I still, every once in a while, depending on who's over here, I get deer in headlights where we both just, you lock eyes and we're fucked. Right. And with you, like it just, it's seamless. Right. Like, cause you've been interviewed by how many press outlets and like, yeah, you've done it. So you know how to
1: talk. Well, And I've also been the guy interviewing people too. Right. So I know you have to fill that dead space with something. Um, And so it just,
0: it worked out well. And like, my only regret is I didn't, there was months and I think I even posted like September. I had like 20 listens because I right. didn't talk to anybody in that month. Right. And I just kind of the month before that I had like 250. I'm like,
1: this is awesome. Well, that's like with anything, right? Like if you, if you don't keep producing, then you kind of fall out of that practice. Yeah. And then you, it gets harder to get back into it because it becomes more of a chore. Right. Yeah. It's like that with anything. I mean, like, uh, Jeff and I are doing this this Aurora man strip and I keep pushing him to say like we're gonna do start releasing it as a web comic um, but like I said to him we should really put this thing together and get it into newspapers as a daily because well one I'm crazy and I've got a ton of them done because that's how I do things like I I I like to start the task on step one and then work till I'm done it and then move on and so he gave me scripts for I think, 40 or 50 strips. Holy. And I sat down and drew them all. (laughs) Because I do it all digitally now. So, like, there's no paper. It's just I make a template and I work in my template until it's done. But, and that sounds like a lot, like 70 strips. But I mean, it's 73 panel, two panel, sometimes one panel strips. So, it's not like I'm drawing 70 actual pages. It's, you know, 70 times, well, three or two, depending on however many panels are in these strips and so it's fairly easy like once you kind of get your shorthand down and i'm not penciling i'm just going straight from my thought to ink basically on paper lettering is very easy because in a strip you have very little dialogue it's very quick and easy so yeah for me it didn't take very long i was knocking off like nine strips in you know a couple days kind of thing it Hmm. was basically i just sit down and i'd work until i'm done and work until i'm done and then you know fill up a drop box full of these strips and have them go holy crap i gotta catch up to you and it's like well no you don't you're fine because we're you because <laughs> like our release schedule for the current strips it's like one every two weeks so I'm like i have every strip we need for 2019 already done oh right on but if we start doing it as a weekly mm-hmm. i need 52 strips if we start doing it as a daily then yep. i need 365 so, <laughs> but having 70 already in the can I know that I have some wiggle room, and I can work my way up to the rest, right? So, so uh, you know, he he's got to you know if he does want to do that, he's going to have to sit down and write out the rest of the year of strips, and then start the next year's strips because he knows as soon as he's done the first year, I'm going to start working on them until they're done, and then start the next year. So, because I like to have, I like to have, um, because I don't want to miss a deadline, I like to have stuff put aside already done so that. I don't have to rush into a deadline like I, I absolutely hate racing a deadline I hate that feeling of I might not get it done in time or racing to get something done and not doing what I should do to get it done just getting it done in time versus like putting in the work I feel like I should have put into it to get it done yeah really hate I really hate it I won't even look at those cartoons if I, if I had to rush a cartoon out the door I don't even look at it enough it's gone because I, like, I don't want to see it. I, I know I've got so many mistakes in there and yeah. it's not the way I wanted it to look and I, I just kind of, uh, whatever, muddled it together and threw it out the door, you know. So, um, to me, that that ability to have things already done um, gives me a better feeling, I think, as a creator than, than racing to get something finished. That's one of the problems I always had with the, the first Saskatchewan book. We had such a short turnaround on it that I couldn't have put anywhere near as much time into it as I would have loved to have done. So I felt like it was, the whole book was totally rushed. But, I mean, it is what it is. You know, that's what you had to work with. Yeah,
0: because so. my one coworker, worker um, she was talking of like, just, they really, like lots of them said, they really enjoyed kind of hearing, like, the work that goes into it mm-hmm. and then, like, how I think you said you had really enjoyed three of the pictures, but then they never made the final cut. And
1: yeah, it's the same with the coloring book. Like, all, all of those, a lot of the artwork from that book, is, is now going to be on T-shirts at um, Tall Tree Apparel. So if you if you haven't gone to check out their store, you should, because uh, we're going to be doing prints there as well. Um, but he's got he's going to be putting together um, some pieces with artwork that didn't make the book, right on. And and that's because when you're publishing something with somebody else paying for the book, you don't have a hundred percent say in what's going into the book, right? So um, so there's there are a ton of images that I was really happy with that didn't make the cut. But they're really good images on their own. Mm -hmm. So um, some of them are going to make some pretty nice looking T-shirts, I think. And some will be done up as posters. He's a great
0: guy. And he was um, my first stint at BP's. He was a server. And then when I came back, he was leaving because he was becoming a dad. Right. And I was just coming back to BP's and replacing him, right? And um, I still remember when he messaged me and he's like, how do I find Jason?
1: Yeah, we ran into each other. Yeah. And so um, I i yeah. think
0: i would mentioned to you that he was looking for it, and then he finally sent me a message one day and he's like hey mm. i found jason and we're talking yeah yeah i can't remember if he said he used me as like hey you know paul or so i can't remember he did.
1: What- well that's how he introduced himself right he came up to the table and i mean i'm used to getting approached because that happens like everything you do yeah people approach you and they just you know it's like like when i did the toy it's the same idea right somebody just approaches you out of the blue and something happens and and um, he came up to me. I think he said, "You know, I'm Paul's friend." And and um, he gave me his business card. His tall Tree Apparel. And tall I said, tree or Tallgrass. Uh, Tallgrass. Sorry. And, and so I said, "Well, where are you guys?" Because I wanted to go check out his booth and see what they do. And and we ended up doing you know doing a little handshake and wink deal right at the table. And and uh, so then we went for coffee. And, and now we're gonna do a whole line of stuff together. So.
0: Yeah, because so. I know he wanted to get your books into his store.
1: Yep, he's got them. He's got a bunch of them. Yep
0: and now that's nice because when the people at work are like hey where's his books I'm like go down and then I'm helping you out I'm helping Matt out Um, yeah I
1: share his I share his Instagram page a lot and his website a lot on on my social media because I want I'm one of those people that likes to see his friends do well you know like I like to succeed but I also like to see the people around me succeed you know like I always feel good when somebody that I know has done something and it you know they're successful with it you know even if I had nothing to do with it it's just a nice feeling to know that this person is really working their ass off did something and it caught on. And, you know, I have a friend up in Saskatoon, Mark, who, he's a a writer. Uh, His girlfriend is, uh, I guess fiance, is a a graphic novelist, and they've done a couple things together. But he's also, he's writing all the time, and he's writing, like, screenplays and things like that. And he's written a couple this year that have kind of taken off at different, like, um, film festivals and stuff. So I'm, like, super stoked to hear that he's doing well, like, just from the standpoint of, like, it's a buddy and he's you know yay good yep. for you you know and so. I,
0: and that's true like i don't think enough people like <clears throat> and that was kind of another thing with Sorry, this listeners. Like, no that's and it's just i like bringing people on and like do you talk about your successes right like right it's super cool like and i think some people when i'm like especially with matt i'm like come to a podcast and he's just single dad like i right, right. it's like what are we going to talk about and you it just it's single dadding, man. That's yeah hard. <laughs> and it unfolds great and like but some people don't realize they have some really interesting stuff. Like with him, I loved hearing about like, because he's doing some teaching with the U of R at the high right. end geology stuff. And just I remember because it was near the end of the podcast. I wish it would have been more of the conversation. Just him talking about how involved modern parents are with their university students.
1: Right. It's it's an issue.
0: What oh, horrified me <laughs> yeah. where the parents are phoning for a little t- and he's teaching like. 400 level, so these are fourth year graduate stuff things right and the parents are like arguing the grade or explaining why the kid's not at school that day and it's like
1: these are he's not a kid he's an adult right right. like they can
0: vote they can drink like
1: yeah yeah
0: so no i was glad because yeah i remember when you reached out and like uh i hope his business takes off because he had to change everything around to become a dad too like he did yeah you gotta unplug from the restaurant industry because it can be disastrous yeah yeah um that's one of the things i still am the most thankful for with keely right like one day she's like you just we never saw each other
1: right and you're you're passing especially when you're a parent if the two parents aren't able to interact ships in the night kind of thing you need you need your your interaction time as parents like as as individuals not as not just as parents but to be a husband and a wife right you need that time you need that you know you need those date nights i think that's one of the things that that we've done well is we Like, I still take my wife out on dates, you know, and I call them dates because that's what they are. We're going away from the kids, we're going out for (laughs) supper, we might go to a movie or whatever, but it's us time, you know, and you need that. You need that that time to just interact and talk and be a couple and, you know, not, not have to discuss anything about the household except for just how's your day and how are you and what's going on in your world, you know. Uh, and she's she's always been a really supportive well I'd say more than just supportive of the stuff I do like I remember when I when I started all this nonsense eight years ago I almost had a, like a, a breakdown like a nervous breakdown I was working a job I hated it was a super super stressful time um, I'm a I'm kind of guy who likes people and, and I was working a job where they were telling me they wanted me to fire my entire team of people and I, cu- I couldn't do it You know, I can't go up to a group of people I like and cut them all loose because they're not making a quarter of a percent um, that this company thinks that they need to be making. I couldn't do it, so it was killing me to to even the thought of doing it. I said to her, I need to get out of here. I gotta do something different. And um, this was probably about 13 years ago, 14 years ago. And um, I said, I really need to do something creative. Like, it was just killing me that I wasn't doing any comic books. I wasn't doing cartoons. I wasn't doing anything. You know, I was just working. I was miserable. I was probably the worst husband in the world. I wasn't talking to her. I was just mad all the time, grumpy all the time, keeping to myself, not, not doing anything. And I realized I needed to change that. And so, um, you know, did some therapy, talked to her, figured some things out, started taking chances at drawing again, haven't looked back it's mm-hmm. been it's been awesome yeah been i think a lot journey. of
0: people still frown on therapy and you know
1: the guys that frown on therapy the guys that probably need it the most you know
0: like i'm lucky i'm in government so we have an amazing program that's actually yeah. in government and they refer you out to the right people and like
1: exactly you need it you it need helps
0: it. to have that neutral source to kind of
1: you need somebody to talk to who's not going to ju- like that's a problem with A lot of people, they don't want to talk to their friends about their problems, right? Because they're afraid they're going to get judged, you know? Like, nobody wants to be judged because they're not, you know, pulling their mental weight 100%, right? Like, nobody wants to feel like everybody around them is judging them because they're not the vision of what they think they should be. And for me, I had a lot of stuff to work through because of what I went through as a kid, you know? I mean, I didn't go through a normal childhood, I don't know how I how I made it through and how I've been such a good parent to my kids, with the parenting I had as a kid, it was a horror show. You know, it was absolutely a horror show. I've I've met kids now in my current job that are going through what I went through, and I'm at least able to say to that kid, it gets better. You know, don't let this define you. This is not. This is just a blip on your radar. It's going to get better, kid, because I've lived through it. You know. And, and it's one of those things that pointed to me that life's really about a lot, a lot about choice, you know, like choosing how things are going to impact you. I think that's why I have such a, a skewed like sense of humor about things, because to me, it's it's not that situation. So it can't be that bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the whole you know and I think I even said it on my post you know somebody was like talking about bringing home the bacon and I said well you know my wife and I just bought a pig so she literally did just bring home the bacon a lot, she, it. a lot of it <laughs> I split
0: on a quarter of a cow and I have zero regrets
1: zero regrets but it's like I have food for a year um, oh yeah, yeah I have red meat forever
0: <laughs> but the thing for me too is like when it sits out for a while it doesn't turn gray it stays bright red exactly it it's like Saskatchewan raised yeah Um, I know the farm Grass-fed.
1: I saw this pig wandering around a field at one time. Now it's on my plate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, it's a nice feeling knowing. I think for me, it's a feeling of knowing that my kids are getting the absolute best. Yeah. Right? They're getting the best meat. And they've all noticed the difference uh, from grocery store meat to what we've brought home. Oh, I'm
0: going to be sad the first time I have to, like when this runs out. (laughs) Oh,
1: I I already have plans to replenish the supply once we get. I know
0: it's every six months I have the chance to opt in on the whatever quarter eighth or whatever hey, If go. you can
1: do it do it it's, it's the best way to go yeah
0: it's a um, lot of freezer space it I think, is i think i'm using a bunch of keely's freezer at her I'm, house uh, and like bringing it back I'm
1: seriously considering buying a second freezer but um we actually bought some chickens from him and the chickens were the size of a turkey i cooked it and i had to cook it all day i didn't realize like how much meat there really was on mm-hmm. a chicken until i got done with it
0: what was the thing that i heard the other day it's like Oh, yeah. Do you ever wonder if you've ever eaten the egg from the same chicken that you've eaten?
1: Well, now I'm going to think that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: More things to ponder.
1: <coughs> you've ruined my mind, man.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the chicken or the egg, and now did you ever eat the egg of a chicken you've eaten?
1: You probably um, have a higher chance of that now for getting it right off the farm.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing. I look for
1: free range because yeah. they actually have orange yolks, right? Like, It's just healthier eating. I, I just find it, it's much healthier. Like. We we've done a couple of the roasts up, and it's amazing how different the meat tastes. Like it, it's hard. Anybody listening to this is probably going, yeah, right. But no, really, honestly, if you get a chance to go and buy a pig directly off a farm, go do it once, and you'll never go back to grocery store. I want
0: to try elk, so I got to find someone that hunts. Elk is it. a delicious meat, um, and um, yeah,
1: it's very good. It, Moose is good. Yeah, because I Very know lean.
0: Joe Rogan posts, like, him eating elk all the time. And yeah. he said that it's... And when you look at it, it's this bright, healthy-looking red, yeah, bright right? Red. Like, yeah. grocery store red meat looks so just... It doesn't look healthy. It just tastes different. Gray yeah. and weird. And,
1: well, and they inject water into things like chicken to make the breasts look bigger. and Like, stupid shit like that. Yeah. And you cook it and you get it off the grill and it's, like, half the size. And, you know, you don't have to do any of that with this stuff. I find, too, like, I used to eat... Um, I'm fortunate enough to have uncles that do a lot of hunting. I'm not a hunter myself because I'm terrible at it. But um, I've eaten elk, moose, deer. Uh, Deer sausage is delicious. Um, Bison I found was dry. I've had bison. Bison can be dry. It depends on how you prepare it. I mean, it's really depends on the cut of the meat and how you prepare the meat. There's a lot of that. Um, Some people have a tendency to overcook things. Um, you know, you cook the you cook the juice right out of it. Yeah. You know, and then you get this like really tough kind of piece of meat. Bison, you have to watch really carefully when you're cooking. You have to be really involved in, in cooking. I did a
0: roast that I got with this quarter of a cow, and I just went to work, came back eight hours later or whatever, and like it was cooked all the way through, so it wasn't medium rare yeah, or anything. Yeah, but yeah. holy crap, was it! It was still tender. It was still delicious. Yeah. Like,
1: have you ever put a um, a beer into your roast? You to no. cook it? No. It'll break. It makes the meat just super tender. Breaks it down. Cooks all the alcohol out. But the um, sugars yeah. and stuff in the beer. <laughs> well, for people that are listening yeah. at home, they're like, you know, you feed your daughter a you know, beer <laughs> roast. But you know, that, I've done that with a, like a red ale, like a nice, tasty kind of ale. Pour it into the into the pot.
0: I've seen where people cram um, a. They open a can and stuff it into yeah, a chicken. Yeah, I don't want
1: to put aluminum inside my meat. I just I just pour it on top. Okay. And then it, what happens is is the alcohol will start to break down the fats inside the meat. Oh, uh, is that how it And works? so it just sort of tenderizes it. But then I find as it cooks hmm. and cooks its way through it kind of permeates the meat and then it just seems like it's very tender keeps kind of that moisture inside and and I find it makes really delicious roast like uh, or you put potato in there with, with the roast while you're cooking it it be good it. with
0: like a stout or something
1: oh yeah a nice, a nice stout would be awesome yeah
0: it's been long I'm coming up on seven years without drinking
1: yeah I don't really drink I, like I <laughs> my son uh, he's a young man so he buys alcohol and he brings <laughs> the only alcohol into the house that's ever in the house like yeah so sometimes I'll steal one of his kokanee's or one of his uh Uh, Coronas or something and I'll throw it into a roast. (laughs) It's for other purposes. never got into it. It just wasn't ever my thing, you know.
0: I'm curious how the balance of alcohol and marijuana has changed now with the legalization.
1: I'm curious about it. You know, I can say I have not seen uh, in public, I haven't noticed any kind of a strange uptick in people walking around smelling like
0: no uh, I think the people that were going to already were I think so and I think it stayed status quo I'm sure
1: some people have jumped onto the bandwagon because now it's legal here but I don't think it's going to be the wild west everybody was sort of expecting you know like I don't think people are running out there going, "Yeehaw! I'm gonna go smoke pot now because I can." Like, yeah. If you were interested in doing it, you probably pre-purchased, yeah, like a uh, you know a bong or whatever, and you were just waiting for it to become legal to jump on and do it. But I don't. I haven't noticed. Um, you know, the government and the police haven't haven't noticed any real giant uptick in like uh, DUIs due no. to pot. Um, and I think that may be just because of the nature of the drug. Um, because I think I think the people that are doing it, it it's a mellowing effect I and mean, yeah. it's like alcohol right it's kind of a downer it's not really a, you're not going to smoke a bowl of pot and then run out to do a bunch of things you might order a pizza or two but, <laughs> yeah. and know?
0: that's yeah like at the other end I remember when this was coming up and the people that were arguing against legalizing someone came back against them and said that 50% of violent crime right has alcohol tied to it
1: most of the things that i've seen go through the courts start off with they were drinking together
2: yeah
1: and and not very often
0: smoking weed together
1: (laughs) not very often not very often and it's because alcohol is is a depressant and if you already have um Say, for example, you're not living a great life, you're impoverished, your situation's kind of tenuous, you don't have, you don't even have a home to call your own, and you're drinking with a group of other people, the risks are fairly high that somebody is going to lose control, because alcohol, in my experiences, reduces your ability to control Your actions to the level you could control them at, before you went to that level with intoxication. Yeah, and it lowers your cognitive abilities to react to things. So something that might have been a slight, yeah, that might have resulted in you being upset with somebody and walking away, suddenly turns into you punching them in the face, because how dare they. and you won't remember it because you're intoxicated but you've ended up in city cells and now you're at court <laughs> so
0: yeah that's funny that you say how dare you that's my joke is that that's the uh, the battle cry of the social justice warrior it is the battle cry. if you say something right away it's how dare you
1: how dare you sir how dare you
0: <sighs> yes look at us pushing two hours already boom
1: wow time flies
0: yeah, I don't know if you have fun when I drag you over here.
1: <laughs> i always have a good time, man. It's always, it's <laughs> the always a The cat fell asleep. It's um, a pleasure to be on the on the podcast. Fresh off the
0: good. heels of Brutus the Barber Beefcake.
1: I know. I'm in good company, right? I mean, he did you hear the fallout hair. after that? I heard some. He stories. walked off the tour. Yeah.
0: Um, and so many things about the day that I talked to him make perfect sense now. Yeah. Because like he was grumpy and he would just his dad like the guy who owns the company he's like yeah yeah yeah." i talked to this guy and so like i went on the road and i took this setup setup they had a table for me that was up by the timekeeper and the music guy right it looked pretty official for whatever i'm doing right and he just kept like looking at me and looked completely unimpressed and was not he didn't look happy to be there at all um he was the only one running his merch table so he didn't really have time to step away so i'm thankful for the 10 minutes i got with him
1: i noticed that because i met nick foley at one of their shows and i met uh, Ryback. Yeah, I've noticed that in all of those cases, they didn't have anybody but the superstar running their their own, own merchandise. Thing, yeah, which I'm not sure if that was part of the deal for booking.
0: You and, think that they would help, yeah. right? But like. Yeah, But I think there's differences between some of those guys. Like, I don't think Foley's the bitter, resentful former pro wrestler. No, he and was some super them, nice think, to chat with. And I think, yeah. well, he's a decent human being from yeah. everything I've well, seen. Well,
1: that's what I mean. He seems like a decent guy.
0: Like, Not to say that Beefcake wasn't. Like, he kind of came up the stairs and looked, and he's like, it's hilarious. He saw this. I'm holding the 1986 oh, yeah. Brutus Beefcake thing, right? So I had this... Brutus Beefcake action figure, and I have the Greg Valentine one too. I had them sitting by the. So he was like completely put, it seemed like he was completely put off by me and didn't even want to talk to me. Yeah. And then he kind of came up and took a peek and looked and he saw these. And I think he figured out that I was like a fan and not just some not dork just reporter, some, like, right? Media guy, yeah. And um, it's not the greatest interview. I kind of like fanboyed out for 10 minutes and talked more instead of listening.
1: Well, he didn't really give you a lot. I mean, I listened to it. He wasn't giving you back a lot of like great. You know, there wasn't a back and forth.
0: Yeah. And then it's like when you read, like, it's like a mile long thing that the company put up about a statement about, like, why it fell through and everything. And it just it sounded like he just didn't want to be there. Right. Yeah. Or was unimpressed with the money or something was.
1: I wonder if he was promised a certain level of compensation and it wasn't there when he got here.
0: So in the end. And it was funny because, like, after I talked to him, he could he changed like. But, like i'm a dork right so like i had rewatched all of his greatest moments and stuff right. before i got there so like i went over like the highlights of his career and like yeah. i've argued this since the, the fact like he was up there like the barber like as much as people scoff at it like he was probably number three or four under hogan for good well, guys
1: he was part of what honestly was one of the most entertaining eras of wrestling right like that's when I got into wrestling was Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling Wrestlemania 3 you know you had the whole thing with Mr. T you had the barber you had Greg the Hammer Valentine you had um, you know guys like Abdullah the Butcher and (laughs) Kamala and you You know you had colorful characters that wouldn't fly anymore and even the Hillbillies Hillbilly Jim you know you had all those guys and um, they were just hilarious to watch. It was entertaining. You were a kid, you could watch it. but I used to I used to watch Pro wrestling like an addict almost. I mean I would I, I would know
0: it was part of the Saturday routine.
1: I could watch probably probably like four solid hours of wrestling because um, we had TSN way back then. Yep, and I knew I could watch like the CWA wrestling. Then I could flip channels to watch the Calgary Stampede Wrestling. Then I could flip and watch the AWA wrestling. And then Saturday night was the Saturday night main event. And so I mean I had I knew when all of my wrestling to- shows yeah. were coming on. And then the NWA shows were starting. See, I never got access to that, oh, so I was God.
0: always a Vince McMahon guy. Did you
1: ever miss out? On so <laughs> some I great got stuff.
0: I had Calgary, a little bit of AWA. Yeah. And mostly like Maple Leaf Wrestling, which was Vince's northern thing or whatever. Yeah. And then that, yeah. right? Um but yeah, it was just it was cool. Like it was awesome once he kind of like warmed up and realized I just wasn't some asshole. It's right? probably
1: that your interview wasn't going to be the standard canned looking down your nose at wrestling interview, right? right? Like because I know I find the same. Like it's the same for anybody in any specific area. Um, when you're talking to people who don't have an interest in that specific topic, they have a canned set of questions they're going to ask you that typically you've answered a thousand times and none of them have any value to what you're doing. Right. Like every, how many interviews have I done where it starts off with bam, boom, pow. And it's I don't do bam, boom, pow. I, (laughs) I do funny slapsticky shit. Like that's my thing. So, but, and I don't, I don't get upset with the reporters for writing it that way. Yeah. I also know that having written for a newspaper, I know that there's an editor who is looking for specifically a specific language of this interview yeah and so they're going to take whatever you have done and tailor it to fit their own idea of what they think the people want to read right so so they're also part of that process so i know when i was interviewing people for the leader post or for post media i always looked first at the last 10 interviews that that band did and i didn't ask any of those questions
0: See, and yeah that's and I yeah. could like it's so funny because once I started kind of listing his accomplishments yeah. I had my notebook I didn't open it <laughs> Yeah. and once I started like so at Wrestlemania 3 you became the barber at Wrestlemania 6 you ended the perfect streak I, I named a few things you could tell he kind of like he changed yeah because for the history yeah because once yeah. I cause when I first met him he looked like he wanted nothing to do with me
1: well, and by the as end as as he knows you're just some media guy
0: yeah and by the end yeah. we were chatting it up and whatever and I got the cool picture of him with the shears, and I headed out right. So, and then yeah, then I heard later that he just ended up walking out on the tour. And
1: well, it's lucky that you managed to catch him and get anything out of him before he did wander off, because it sounds to me like from what I was reading that that could have happened at that show that night, the
0: Regina (laughs) one, or and that's like Danny who runs that CWE is such a great guy. Like I only met him a few times, right, when I was still like noob trainee guy, and I sent him a message. I'm like do you mind if i podcast with him in regina and he's like how about even better we'll do it sooner over the phone and i'm like "Eh, i don't know how to even hook the phone up to my recording device and i'm like i'll go visit my family and i'll pop in at the yorkton show worked perfect it was like two and a half weeks before the regina show right and so because he's like yeah i can use it for promotional stuff and then i found it weird he didn't use it for any promotional stuff
1: right it would have been a perfect time to do it
0: i know and but i didn't know what was going on in the background right. with all the the troubles well, whatever with, was happening back
1: with the yeah so
0: here. like because yeah. that's why i tried to be like you're on this tour and here you're going through these provinces yeah. and stuff and i was surprised he didn't like retweet it or reuse it or anything right? right so like yeah so like a little piece of me was hoping for like massive exposure um but now that there's the fallout, yeah. I think I'm getting the odd listen because I think people are Googling his so. name. Yeah,
1: because you'll come up with the search history as the most recent thing on him, right? So, right. So, yeah, yeah
0: I would have liked 45 to an hour with him. Um, I'm the one that ended it at 10 just because yeah. I'm like, go back to your merch stand. You're by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, it was interesting. That's the first time I like packed all this shit up and kind of went on the road. Um, thank God it all worked. It's
1: history yeah and, and it's, it's your first mobile podcast.
0: yeah see so I mean, to go out on the road and it's like yeah I don't know I think it's I've only done I think this is 19 now right so I haven't even done yeah. 20 right but it's like I remember my one friend Bevan he was on here a while ago but he like has listened through them all and he it was a good compliment he messaged me one day and he goes you have really interesting friends
1: well I think that's the 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 value of a podcast like this and it's similar to the Joe Rogan podcast right it's it's about the conversation. It's not necessarily about the topic. It's um, what are what's everybody chatting about, what's yeah. what's caught their interest. So I think that's where you your strength is, right?
0: Yeah, and it's yeah. like right now we're at two hours and like, I don't know. Like I know I've had complaints that it's too long and I've probably lost a listener base because it's too long. But I think it's been proven that long form works. Um, good conversation yeah. is good conversation. Well,
1: and it's hard to break up a conversation into bits of... Yeah, I don't want to edit...
0: Hour. Um, I never yeah. want to advertise. Um, I have set up a Patreon. I just got to get that shit rolling. Yeah. Um, I have t-shirt yeah. ideas that I got to sit down with Matt about. Like I have things in place and people in what place. Was to say, I
1: think you know a guy who can hook you up with some t-shirts. For right. Sure, like. Right? Yeah.
0: So just it is what it is. And like my main listenership is no longer in Canada. So that's kind of a weird.
1: It's an interesting shift, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But Regina is not exactly podcast central, right? So.
1: No, there's not a lot of them.
0: But there's a lot of interesting people like I've reached out to a bunch um I got over myself quick like I got rejected a few times and I'm like
1: and it there was happens.
0: people I didn't want to ask and I'm like keep going get a yes or a yep. no move forward right
1: you're gonna get rejected it's just part of life man I mean, and I wouldn't have got to
0: sit down with like one of the iconic 80s wrestlers if I didn't ask right I just asked like I was like you know what fuck it I'm gonna ask Danny send him a message yep Whenever you want, we'll set you up time with Bruce Beefcake, and I'm right. like, "Fuck, this is amazing." Right. So, no, it's been a cool journey. Um, what have you got going on? You got any new Me? stuff coming out? Or- I've always got something cartoons new. is perpetual.
1: Cartoons magazine is every two months, uh, and I'm also in another magazine, uh, which I'm the first one in. Actually, comes out in January. Uh, it's called. Um, I just want to make sure I get the title right.
0: You said Aurora Man. Doing
1: Aurora Man with Jeff, which is a lot of fun. Um, we've actually got a couple of things coming up together. Uh, I'm also in uh, a couple of magazines, a couple of newspapers, because well, I don't like having downtime.
0: No, and this is the time of year. Like I got you to bring some of your books. The you know you're from Saskatchewan is like easily a great gift because it seems like everyone moves away from here
1: (laughs) well and I'm also doing um, I'm doing a couple things for the library actually in Regina oh right Um, on starting in April I'm doing a uh, create your own superhero kind of a workshop for aimed at you know teenagers to adults and I'm also doing a how to get published um, workshop with them as well I don't have the dates yet. it'll be in the Regina leisure guide um, at the Sherwood uh, branch of the library Right on. Um, so looking forward to those because it's a different thing you know i always like trying different stuff, different spins like on challenging it challenging myself i don't like to just sit idle um we're in a magazine called gnarly magazine uh it's on store shelves all over the place it's an american magazine um and uh we're doing a, a strip called uh, manly man and he's kind of
0: uh oh, i've seen those okay it's
1: kind of a parody strip um aimed at uh you know those old um Doc Sampson pulp magazines, those old, mm-hmm. those old like men's pulp magazine covers. Manly Man is based on the model that he used to pose for all those paintings. Um, he's the character. <laughs> so he's like the ultimate man's man. And we're just kind of poking fun at that ultra masculinity and things like that. And it's a lot of fun for me because it's, I'm drawing in a different style than my usual kind of zany, cartoony sort of style. So it's a little bit more illustratory. And uh, I, for example, in the first strip that we do, I had to draw a grizzly bear and a mountain lion, and they had to look like a grizzly bear and a mountain lion. And I had to draw um, manly man, of course, being you know the way he is. And uh, the neighbor that I designed, I loosely based him off of Danny DeVito, so he kind of <laughs> he looks like Danny DeVito but with a '70s porn stash. And uh, it's a pretty fun strip to do. It's full color. Uh, first time I've had to do a strip like from. Start to finish in color. So, oh wow. So, uh, yeah, it's, it was, it's only, uh, we only have one page in this issue, uh, sort of as a tester to try it out. And then if they like it, two more pages and we'll keep going from there. They seem to dig it. They sent in the strip and the guy emailed me back right away. He was pretty, pretty blown away. So, right on. No, <laughs> it's no, no, a like, nice feeling when yeah. you're breaking into a new audience and they're receptive to it so
0: and that's like you said earlier it's nice to celebrate other people's success like i love seeing your success and joel with the new star wars book joel's
1: killing it that star wars book's awesome
0: um it was so funny because like i think before his podcast i had to edit one ever and then after we talked i always asked do you want me to edit anything out or whatever he's like i gave away some stuff that i'm working on that's not supposed to be known (laughs) so i had to go in there and like Remove some stuff, right? Everything I've
1: talked about, I can talk about. <laughs> I have stuff I can't talk about, but I don't talk about that stuff because yeah. there's no point. Um, no, and he yeah. like the
0: book was a thing, just it wasn't. So, and then there was announced, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there was some of his fantasy flight stuff that he had accidentally slipped, so I had to pull that out. But like, yeah, I have the book. It's weird. I have like,
1: isn't a, it weird having books that people well, no, I you have like have done?
0: this, which is an autographed Brutus Beefcake picture, and it's like somewhere else on this table is the I got Joel to sign the droid right. book right yeah. and it's like it's kind of just cool stuff that is spun out of this right like,
1: I watched his little trip through Europe and I was like god damn man <laughs> he's just wandering Europe painting and drawing and sketching
0: I, he showed us because uh, I popped in at Dana's store I'm usually not in the south end and I popped right. in there and it was him and Dana were there and he started going through his phone when he was at the HR Geiger yeah. thing and like I know I've seen it in Aliens and some right. of his stuff, right? But like to have it in a building, like the one arch was like like pelvises or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And just like it's
1: all crazy. It's
0: all crazy, and some of it's yeah. just creepy. As like Geiger always was that kind he was of a weird. Really
1: interesting artist. Like I saw a picture of his studio, and I think he had a chair that was made out of like an alien.
0: Well, he got to keep a lot of the stuff from that yeah. set, yeah. from from what I've heard, from the original set. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think then Joel he said he
1: wasn't involved over. with two. Well, they kind of screwed him on two. They had him come in as a creature designer, and then they fired him. Um, there's a whole documentary about the making of Aliens two on YouTube. You should watch. It's it's, it's huh. so Holy. interesting.
0: Because the first one, I get like because yeah. he would have designed like well, the, the old, mother, the, 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 look, the whole the whole thing, the whole the ship yeah. where they found the yeah. crash and all that. But two really was just a bunch of Marines shooting shit up, right? Like. Yeah. The only really new addition would have been the mother at the end. The, the big, the big the alien mother at the end.
1: And also the facehugger was a lot different in the second movie because it was more articulated and moved like an animal. And, I guess, yeah. yeah. But uh, Cameron was uh, apparently quite the slave driver on that movie. He was pretty hard to work with from what I was reading. So, hmm. um, I'm, I'm interested in film and television just from, from having so many friends that do uh, like production art and, and working on storyboarding and, th- and stuff like that. It's not something I've ever really actively pursued. I would love to do it, but I mean, there's a whole like there's a whole skill set towards that line of art that's different than what I do. Yeah. Like, yeah I try to explain that to people sometimes, and they look at you like, wasn't well, it all the same thing? It's like, no, it really isn't. Like a storyboard artist works differently than I would do for a comic book because pacing would be different. The, well, the, there's the pacing is all completely directed by. Uh, a cinematography mindset right so they're setting up a scene in a long fashion so you might draw 40 pictures for this scene where you're having you know a chase happen through a building and in a comic book you're going to take those 40 drawings you're going to shrink it down to 6 so the pacing is completely different because you're not going to have a 20 page comic book where the whole thing is a chase scene through a building I mean by the time Kids are going to like, oh, God, another page of them running through the building. <laughs> another page of them running through the building. So, yeah, the pacing is completely different. The art style is completely different. Um, the, even just the way you're, you're putting camera angles is going to be completely different. Because a storyboard is being designed to be almost shot for shot what the film director wants on the screen. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a comic book, you're trying to direct the eye, you're trying to direct the reader through the pages. So you're trying to guide the reader through the story.
0: There are distinct points in movies where they want it to look like a comic book, though. Yeah, which but the Spider-Man right?
1: movie looks very much like a comic book on, yeah. on film. You can yeah.
0: see they borrow that look, yeah. and mostly in the Marvel cinematic projects, yeah. right? So.
1: Yeah, and I love that. I love that about those movies—the the feel of the comic book. It's what I'm loving the most about all this like y stuff. Is, is, as a kid who grew up in the '80s and read all this stuff. Seeing it all coming to life on a screen, it just blows my mind. You know, like getting to see Thor and the Hulk fighting in an arena, take all my money, <laughs> make six movies just like that. That's all I need to see. Thank you.
0: And uh, And I'm appreciative of the Easter egg shit that's meant for the nerds like the us. Throw thing
1: in there and yeah. you can take even more of my money. Do they have that back yet? Do they have all the
0: intellectual property I don't back?
1: No, I, I hope so. I hope that deal goes through because like they have mutants back, I think. I think so, yeah.
0: And they have Spider-Man, like.
1: Yeah, in in a roundabout way, they've got them back. I think.
0: When was the Marvel bankruptcy? Ninety-nine, where this all. Marvel
1: went bankrupt. I think in. I think they really hit trouble in '92. They started to really have some trouble, and then I think they got bought up. They changed hands in the '90s. Because I thought
0: it was late 90s where they had, like... I
1: think in the late 90s, the people that bought them went out. Okay. And that's when they went bankrupt. Because there was, Marvel like, eight Wolverine titles
0: and seven Spider-Man yeah. titles. and The only
1: things that were being printed were the ones that were selling.
0: Eight X titles. Yeah, yeah. It's They beat the crap out of everything, right? But well, like, Because they were selling. Yeah.
1: I mean, Marvel was selling... You had, you had a Spider-Man comic selling a million copies a month. You're going to print the shit out of that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're going to hope that every Spider Man title sells a million copies a month. You know, the only comic book right now that gets anywhere near those numbers is My Little Pony.
0: Friendship is magic.
1: That's the only one. I'm it, amazed. Was, isn't
0: there like a Teen Titans going also?
1: Yeah, but I don't think it's even hit the pony numbers. It, the Pony is just ridiculous. That's crazy. Well, that's not shocking. It's, but, I mean, it's got a whole other audience that nobody else has, right? Like, yeah. I know my daughter has every issue.
0: Seeing like yeah, and Xander's at that age where we get like kind of the graphic novel ones like Amulet yeah. and like um, by the collections the D- the Doug Tennepole stuff, which is really good. Those are great books. Yeah, like, like just
1: just well done books. Yeah.
0: and like, he yeah. likes those where it's like a night, but then yeah. you got to wait eight months to yeah, a year for a the next year. one, right? So,
1: but I mean that's the the problem with long form, you know. You but it's wait. nice
0: because it's not like a fifteen page comic like we had as a kid, right? Like
1: economically speaking, it's not worth it to buy floppies anymore you i stopped i still buy the hellboy stuff i still buy savage dragon mainly because i've been buying dragon since issue one came out i guess yeah if i stop now i mean i've got the whole run yeah (laughs) i'm probably the only guy in and going (laughs) that has the entire run of savage dragon to the point where i even bought like the original megaton comics i tracked those down but I, when I met Eric, I had him sign them all. And, and uh, he was shocked that I had the Megaton issue. He was like, I, I haven't seen one of these in years. <laughs> like, yeah, well, uh, I'm a geek.
0: Who I, was that? I, oh, I in Saskatoon. Back. When Gail Simone came, everyone was bringing up their stuff for her to sign. And I threw down yeah. like an old school. Um, I can't even remember if they were called Secret Six yet. It might have been like the Villains United run or whatever. Oh, and I yeah. threw down like the number one of that and she's like i haven't seen one of these forever and like inside i'm like yes
1: that, it's such a good, <laughs> but it's a good feeling for them too yeah like i know when i met george perez and they handed him avengers uncut it was like the just the the pencils of the avengers issue one he had never seen it and he went through that thing and he was like oh i did this wrong oh i did that wrong oh, <laughs> did t- he ask
0: for an eraser <laughs> no, just he, was it just like, he just
1: said to me i've never seen this this is wow. amazing like he goes I have signed books everywhere. I have never come across this book. Where did you find it? I'm like, I have good friends that run comic book shops. They're like, Jason, we'll buy this. And they just throw it in my file and I yep. buy it. And so and I was like, I have the actual printed issue. But I said, but I, only, I didn't want to be one of those guys that comes up to a guy with like a million comics. I was like, yeah. I brought one issue for him to sign. And it was that one. Because it was like, you know, if I get a chance, I'm going to get him to sign this book.
0: Yeah, I had to do a bit of narrowing down when Simone came. Yeah. I think the only other one I'd ultra geek out for would probably be Peter David.
1: Peter's a really interesting guy. I got to chat with him in California But he was super year. sick for a while, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Well, he wasn't having some, some good health luck. Um, but he was really easy to talk to. I bought one of his Hulk scripts, and I can't find it for the life. Man. I don't know I Oh, did no. But, I mean, I brought it because I was going to give it to Carson because, like, he Carson is always saying, like, what can I bring to sell at these comic book shows? And I'm like, bring the scripts. Like, you've got Yeah scripts that you've written for like dennis the menace like he's got he's got xerox back and forth holy from the artists where they've taken what he's written and they've broken it down and marker right and just sent it to him to see you know so they can there's people that
0: are into the history of it that would love stuff
1: i'm like people would eat this up like they would just love this stuff but i I think he just he's not that kind of guy he wants to hang on to it and that's fine
0: yeah peter david would probably be my favorite one just as far as a storyteller goes
1: well, I grew up on his stuff, right? I grew up reading his Hulk, you know? I mean, his his stuff was... I mean, God, he wrote so much of it. He wrote Spidey, he wrote Hulk, he wrote uh, Thor, Fantastic Four, he wrote everybody.
0: And even, like, his Aquaman run of the late yeah. 90s was really good. That's where he got finally the bearded version that I think yeah. is almost what the movie one kind of well, looks
1: kinda like. what he looks like, yeah.
0: And then his X-Factor run, like...
1: I think that movie's yeah. going to be interesting. I like his attitude, like the actor... Momoa. Um, yeah, I like his attitude towards the character. I think he brings a lot of fun to it.
0: I'm so. super critical of DC stuff, but mostly the Batman, right? Like Wonder Woman I really yeah. enjoyed because I wasn't emotionally invested in her. And I feel beyond Ares kind of looking stupid at the end. Um, I felt it was a good superhero movie.
1: I actually enjoyed that movie from the standpoint of, well, I love the era, World War One. Yeah. I mean, but that scene where she picks up that tank off that building. I mean, have you ever seen a more perfect superheroic scene? Like, I mean, she picks it up. She's struggling with it. It's heavy as hell. You get that feeling of emotion, like that emotional feeling of like the weight of this tank on her arms. And then she throws it and the guy takes a shot at her from the tower and she dives through that tower. Yeah. Like a bolt of lightning just destroys
0: it. Because I think at the time I said that was my favorite DC movie since Superman (laughs) 1 or 2. Right. And then people are like, how dare you? And I'm like
1: yeah come at me bro yeah i can pick batman
0: movies apart for the rest of my life because i'm because with him i'm ultra critical the right? biggest
1: problem with the dc some of the dc heroes like when i was a kid reading them in comics was they were always so serious you know what i mean and like almost like to a point where it was funny like <laughs> superman <laughs> was always hard to like because he had no flaws right like he had no weaknesses aside from the kryptonite, right? Like he had yeah. super everything. And it's like, how do you make a character compelling when nothing can hurt this guy? And then when John Byrne came along and he kind of revamped him and made like him, you know, almost more mortal with like his weakness to magic and stuff like that. He he added that personality to the character that wasn't there. And and Batman's kind of the same in in the sense of like his life really sucks. But then you had guys like Kelly Jones coming along doing visually stunning things with the character. Like Norman Fogle and Jones and they would make him so cool to look at.
0: When I was in college the poster on my wall was the Norm Brayfogel where he's up on the roof. Yeah. Like, with with the, the cape up the and, and the light. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh Yeah, that's I can't think of a time. I was
1: sad to hear he was passing this year. He was a really nice guy. I got to chat with him a lot on social media. And
0: very envious of your very nice comic guy. book friends.
1: <laughs> you know they're regular people. They're all very easy to chat with. They're all nice. I'm super stoked to see Kelly Jones drawing Batman again. It's so. I'm buying everything he does because it's like, when is this going to happen again? you know the dragon, out the old the old good guys
0: and the see, yeah, and like but i take a lot of flack from my friends that are like a bit younger because i'm always talking about because my favorite era for batman was like the chuck dixon era like yeah, the 90s chuck right? Dixon right
1: with kelly jones yeah uh,
0: Danny o'neill um, was on one of the titles back Danny, then yeah um the you know Nightwing series. Nolan? yeah graham nolan like all that stuff the like
1: the stuff was amazing
0: yeah, yeah. like it kind of picked up right after death of superman and then they did nightfall and nightfall then, was awesome and then nightwing so finally spun out into that bloodhaven series which is probably still my favorite run that's,
1: that was a great book um yeah how um visually it was awesome the writing was mcdaniel good. Daniel was yeah great. that's up in the kitchen yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it just he did a great job i loved of, his
1: daredevil too yeah
0: yeah it's just yeah it was i don't know i that's my favorite era but like the two thousands pissed me off because they kept going crisis after crisis. Well, um, as a
1: fan, it's hard to it's hard to hang on to books when you don't understand what's going on anymore. You don't recognize any of the characters. And I think they and did two full on reboots in the yeah, last decade. Yeah, rebooting so. things and Because what was before rebirth, and then they re- restarted all. Of them yeah. And, like I haven't read a DC comic in probably fifteen years because I, I I would I would buy books because I like people that are working on them like i know like raleigh rosmo he got to do um constantine so i started buying constantine then they canceled constantine then they put him on something else and they're like oh sweet i'll follow him to this but i'm trying to read the comic and i don't understand the world that they're rebuilding yeah (laughs) because i'm so disconnected from what they had before
0: and i didn't mind it like i remember chatting with shane itself he really talked up the rebirth batman stuff and it was all right like yeah the court of owls, whatever, right? Court of like,
1: owls is weird. Logan got some of that because he was really to Jonah Hex until they canned his book.
0: And like, I don't know. I remember before the rebirth, they had like changed Joker and cut his face off, and like,
1: yeah.
0: it just seems like shock it was factor really stuff. Dark. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he's still supposed to be the clown prince of crime, right? Like, yeah. and then they ruined some characters, like Hush. I feel they ruined, and Prometheus. Yeah. I feel they ruined. Um, like they had some modern. Good iconic characters, but now they're more interested to me in how marketable Harley Quinn is, and I'm like, right. piss off, right? Like for me, one of the
1: big turnoffs was Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. I had just gotten interested in Green Lantern. Um, I went to Phoenix Comics, and he, Jerry sold me an entire long box of Green Lantern books. He had stuff from like the '70s, '80s right up to like the brand new green lantern series that was going on so i had hal jordan and like Killua was john stewart in there? john stewart and guy gardner all on earth it was after crisis so there's like seven lanterns on earth kind of thing
0: <laughs> and, was even alan scott lumped yeah, in with alan that still?
1: Scott was still in it like and it was interesting stuff to me because it, it was like the first time you had the sense that earth was part of this giant cosmic thing and I didn't understand I think when I was a kid I didn't understand The Green Lantern like because you'd pick up a book and it'd be like a hundred Green Lanterns in this book and you'd be like well if they're so powerful why are there so many of them and then Crisis kind of focused it down to just a core group of like yeah. six or seven really interesting ones and and I finally and the writing got so much better like when they did that whole story where um, um, Guy Gardner kind of gets kicked out of the core and then you know kilowatt kind of flips to the russians and like they're starting to give personalities to all these different characters and then they did mosaic which was just a bizarre like where the they've taken this world and built this world with all these different races and cultures and and stuff on it and uh they've got john stewart kind of managing the place and it was just a really bizarre comic book um but it was interesting because there was obviously a lot of like social commentary and things like that and I think that's what bothered me because I was like no I just want to enjoy Green Lantern I don't (laughs) want to to feel bad about you know things I just want to enjoy I don't need to feel I just want to enjoy the story here because this is not entertaining me okay uh, so then when they did the death of Superman thing and they killed Coast City I was like wow crazy because like that was his town Yep. Suddenly they wiped it out. And then they did the parallax thing. And I was like, that was so opposite to his character as a character that they lost me.
0: Well, he was the fly boy.
1: Wasn't he was he? like the ultimate fearless good guy. But he held himself morally on such a high ladder that to see him fall all the way to the point where he's killing Green Lanterns to steal their power rings was just like...
0: But that's they would do weird sensational things to sell comics right like it didn't
1: make any sense like if i'm writing this person as a person like i can understand the loss of his city the grief a certain point the grief losing carol danvers okay i can understand that but for him to flip a switch like that and suddenly he's the villain i couldn't put the two together it didn't make any sense as a story yeah like It just became like, well, this is what we're going to use to sell some books, right? And then they introduced Kyle Rayner. And I didn't have an issue with Kyle Rayner as a character.
0: I liked him because he was the artist. yeah. And so they used that as their vehicle for him creating really unique constructs, right? I
1: liked that part of it, right? But the whole having his girlfriend killed and stuffed in the fridge I thought was ridiculous. Like, there's just things that they were doing that was just like they lost me as a reader. I found
0: Hal was a weirder fit when he was the Spectre.
1: Well, that was even worse. Like, <laughs> I was like, you've already shadowed over this character as a character.
0: Was that their Hal Jordan hold my beer moment? Yeah. I can fuck like, this guy
1: up some more. Yeah, it was like, come on. Come on, this is stupid. Like, Hal Jordan as a Spectre is just a dumb idea. I mean, it's just a way of saying, some people, they're still like, Hal Jordan, we got to bring him back. What are we going to do? Can we make him into Ghost Rider? No. Spirit? Okay. It just it didn't make any sense.
0: Well, and then they copped out, like, the Jason Todd return was horrible. <coughs> Um, Oliver Queen just kind of got willed into existence yeah just
1: suddenly he's just back
0: because I thought I thought somebody said they found like a piece of his DNA still on Superman's cape so they're able to bring him back and it's like I'm pretty sure Superman does fucking laundry once in a while
1: right he's (laughs) flown through the atmosphere a few times I'm sure it burnt off by now right and just there
0: was poor writing Um, I get it Didio was a Silver Age guy from what I understand and he wanted his Silver Age
1: heroes back yeah but I mean you've written yourself into a corner And then to make yourself get out of the corner, you just go, everything was a dream. Dallas. It was all a dream. (laughs) Everything is now back to the way it was.
0: Yeah. And I was invested in the new characters. Like, I liked Kyle Rayner. I liked Dick Grayson. I liked Wally West. Yeah. um, Because they brought back Barry. Well, the Um, whole
1: thing with having those former sidekicks stepping into the role of being the main hero... Uh, was allowing them to develop these people as as characters and to make them into the person they're going to be right so showing that wally west becomes the flash over barry natural progression right? it makes sense
0: it was nice to see like the titans grow up right like right
1: and seeing barry allen die in crisis i mean i remember being like 13 or 14 when i read that and that was devastating i was like wow because I don't think I'd ever seen a superhero death in a comic book. Before. Who were the big ones that went in that? Well, Supergirl the died. Supergirl one was I think after that issue.
0: But yeah, him running himself to him death. Him
1: running himself to death was it was so disturbing because he was there with that guy, the emotion guy. Um, uh, psycho broke, pirate. It broke him. Yeah. To watch the Flash kill himself like that, like to see this other person reacting to what this guy did was like. Oh, give me goosebumps, right? Like, you're just like, wow. Like, emotionally, as a kid, I was like, damn, that that was intense.
0: That's why I stopped reading Batman again. Bane and Batman were fighting over the Psycho Pirate. Right. And I was just like, I.
1: Yeah, <laughs> stupid things like that. It was just like, it just doesn't make sense. Like,
0: but the Psycho Pirate, I felt he was just back for, like, hey, look, it's Psycho Pirate. Like,. Yeah, the older crowd will be like hey it's the guy from the first crisis right Like right. Yeah.
2: other than
0: that he's been irrelevant I think for 35 years something right? like that yeah. and it's just like so all of a sudden they
1: made like well, he uh, wasn't really super relevant even in the first crisis but he was there I know yeah but even that whole thing where they had the uh, the multiple earths all converging and, and Supergirl ends up dying and then they eradicated all the other supermen they had all these alternate universe supermen going around um they didn't impact you enough as much as the Barry Allen death. Oh,
0: no. It was...
1: You know, like Supergirl dying heroically fighting against the anti-monitor. That made sense. The Flash running himself until he doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a possibility. You know?
0: Yeah. For DC, that probably could be their most like iconic death of a hero. I think so. It should be. Yeah. But then they just... walk he, like Even when they brought back Superboy and they had him wearing the anti-monitor right. armor and it's just like... Yeah, and him temper weird. tantruming like all the time. It's just like, a, yeah, I don't know.
1: That, the problem with that is that when you when you have a company running a publishing house, all those characters are just intellectual property, and so you need to keep making money on them. But also, if you don't, so there are some rules in in copyright where if you don't have characters appearing in print and you own the rights on them, after a certain amount of time, that goes into public domain in no. the states. So things like the Flintstones, like everybody was, you know, wondering why in the hell are they bringing back like the Flintstones and Johnny Quest and all this stuff. That's purely because if they don't do anything with those properties, they're going to lose the rights.
0: So is that why they just announced the live action Kim Possible movie?
1: Exactly. Fuck. Because Kim Possible <laughs> hasn't been around in a cartoon for what t- at least 20 years. I, yeah. So,
0: I just see these announcements and I wonder. So that makes more sense to yeah. me, right? Yeah
1: well that's 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 the kind of the behind the curtain right like the like, the Flintstones being in a comic book I mean when was the last time we did anything with the Flintstones as, as a group of characters right but who owns DC Comics
0: yeah Time Warner
1: Time Warner Time Warner owns the rights to the Flintstones uh, so same thing with the Jetsons Johnny Quest all of those guys the Scooby Doo mystery guys they're still around because they have to they have to they have to keep up I mean they've had a new movie every year Still, with Scooby-Doo, as bad as they are.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think I need to give Gotham a better watch.
1: Um, Um, I, I watched the first three seasons. I want to like it. They're losing me at this teenage Bruce Wayne Batman thing.
0: I've heard Titans would upset me, so I don't even watch it.
1: I haven't been able to see it yet I haven't been able to find it to stream it I don't have cable anymore so. yeah
0: just my friends the way they describe Dick already has me mad yeah. <laughs> like because I pick like to me it's that Chuck Dixon like coming of your age right. story of him and like he's the upstanding guy but he never wants to be the extreme that Bruce was right like right. he tries yeah, to be yeah. that dialed back version and have some humanity in there like his parents were still killed same way but he's handling he's still, it his yeah, way right he's
1: dealing with it differently
0: and um yeah. It sounds like he's a very violent, aggressive, like, asshole in Titans. So I'm like,
1: whatever. Yeah, and it might be just that's the way that they went on that particular show. I hear, um, like, there's a Hawk and Dove show. I haven't seen that yet. Um, Hawk and Dove? Yeah.
0: I had heard there was a Cloak and Dagger coming.
1: Cloak and Dagger is actually pretty good. I watched the first season. Really? Yeah, I liked it. Hmm. No, was good. I feel like, I like you the can... characters that they like the oh, people okay. that they chose to play the characters.
0: I feel like you can get yeah. away more if they're not like the a tier
1: heroes like right well you you have an opportunity I think this is what they're doing right with some of those characters is you have an opportunity to build your fan base from scratch. You have an established character that they don't know a hell of a lot about but you know what they're supposed like in the with cloak and dagger for example, perfect example. They were kind of seeless superheroes. They, would they show were street up once kids, in a weren't while. they? Yeah, and they yeah. would show up in Spider-Man once in a while. Yeah. That was always my introduction to them. They would just sort of randomly appear in a Spider-Man comic book, and you'd be like, who are these guys? They're kind of neat, but didn't really understand it. But in the comic book, they really played a lot more on Cloak not really being able to control the the darkness in the Cloak. Like, there are times when it seems like he needs Dagger, to bring him back
0: to be the light yeah
1: because like there's time I remember there's a couple comics that I I remember reading where Spider-Man and Cloak and Dagger are taking down some thugs in a warehouse kind of thing and his cloak is trying to eat this guy and he's like yelling at her like I can't stop it it's gonna eat him like I can't I can't stop it and she's turning; and she's like whipping daggers at him to get him, to get the light, you know, into the darkness, sort of thing, to get this thing to release this poor guy who's clawing at the floor, like, "Holy shit, I'm getting killed here!" <laughs> you know. And uh, there was that sense of urgency that these two characters have to be together because she keeps him from mm-hmm. losing total control of this power; he has no control. Yeah, about.
0: there's a few properties I've stayed away from. I stayed away from the Runaways.
1: Um, that was actually fairly good. I think it got canceled, though.
0: I never watched S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, There was just those... I
1: watched the first couple seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D. I haven't been able to get into it for the rest.
0: I'm really behind, but now I hear they canceled Daredevil. Um,
1: Well, see, here's what I think is going on with that stuff. Disney is about to launch its own streaming platform.
0: uh, So pull out of Netflix?
1: I think they entered into the Netflix deal before they had an inkling they were going to do their own streaming platform. I actually think their intent originally... I don't know this. This is just a thought. I, thought. I think they were going to try and take over Netflix. But I don't think that they're allowed to. I think that the CRTC in in the States, their version of that, was afraid that if they controlled yet another streaming company, they would control too much of the media.
0: So there is a monopoly rule still? <laughs> there is a
1: rule. And, and that's why it was surprising to me that the Fox-Disney thing Got the go-ahead, because that that's one of their considerations, right? Disney wasn't allowed to buy certain parts of Fox. Oh. Because... I always wondered about
0: the Monopoly thing when that was happening, and I thought maybe with yeah, entertainment they didn't care.
1: They do, because the broadcast... Like, Disney controls tons of radio, television, newsprint media, internet media, and movie and uh, TV production companies. So... The danger is if they allow one company like Disney to absorb all media companies, you have one company controlling the entire media. So they, they do have some rules in place where they won't allow. The biggest one was, I think, Bell and um, AT&T and Bell. They wouldn't allow those two to merge hmm. because between the two of them, they would have controlled all of North America oh, wow. for telecom. And that would be scary having just one person in charge of all of telecom for North America. I could be wrong on that, but I think that, that was I think it was AT and Bill.
0: I would have liked to have stopped Disney probably right before Lucas film.
1: The Disney Lucas film one I think opened some people's eyes when they bought the rights to Star Wars and they rolled it into Disney. Because everybody... how it wasn't
0: long between Marvel and
1: Well, Disney bought Lucas Marvel. was it? Disney bought Marvel, I think it's been 10 years so they bought Marvel probably 4 years before they bought LucasArts and nobody batted an eye at Marvel because they didn't see the media doesn't doesn't put two and two together they don't realize that by buying Marvel they weren't see Disney doesn't give a shit about the comic books the comic books are just a place to develop the IPs a place like like a business card right like Disney doesn't care if Marvel Comics loses money Because it's not about the comic books, right? Like Captain America, the comic book, could probably lose money from now until they decide comic books no longer need to be printed. But Captain America, the character, makes Disney tons of money because they own the rights to all the licensing.
0: License it out.
1: all the toys that get made of Captain America, all the lunchboxes, the T-shirts, the movie posters, the movies, the video games, whatever they do with the character. All that money goes into Disney. See, Disney's really brilliant at at making their money off the character, not off of the movie. Like, the movie itself will make money. Like, Mulan makes money for Disney. Mulan came out 20-some years ago. But the character of Mulan has been making them money since that movie came out and will continue to make them money until the end of time, until Disney goes away. Because... They, they have that likeness of that character. And every year they release a new Mulan doll. So that doll will be out in public until they decide to yeah. go away from that. I was just shocked. And she just appeared in Ralph Breaks the Internet. I
0: heard that all the princesses are in that movie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I but can't remember who said they that. They own all those princesses, mm-hmm. right? They're likenesses that they've designed. So now those characters have all just been renewed by just appearing in one scene in a movie that they really shouldn't have been in anyway and they'll make money off them again
0: I who was saying I heard on some internet thing now because of such positive feedback of seeing all the princesses in one place they want to do now like a movie where it's all of them doing something
1: and they probably will yeah they have television shows because I have a nine year old daughter so I've been introduced to all kinds of <laughs> Disney princessy stuff um, they've got a TV show called Sophia the First and she's a little kid princess and she has this magic amulet and once in a while she runs into trouble in her show one of the other Disney <coughs> princesses shows up to assist her. so it's a way for them to drag those guys Cycle on the moth them through. Dolls, keep them all fresh in people's minds because you yeah. gotta sell more dolls right
0: yeah I just I felt it was a red flag because it's like but that's to me it was them buying up all the the pop culture properties
1: well that's what they're doing
0: like they own Marvel right. which is huge yeah like time warner is lucky they have what they have
1: (laughs) like because if they were ever allowed to buy dc comics it would be insane
0: yeah like I don't know I remember when they did the crossover and it was so I'm assuming the politics were horrible for it because it was a terribly done series right like see
1: and I don't think that disney would would give a shit about the politics no but I just take batman and they would throw him in a spider-man movie
0: yeah, and I, I don't know. I just wouldn't want to see it. Like,
1: I wouldn't want to see it either. But I, think I would
0: want the apples good. and oranges forever just to stay in their yeah, own shelf, yeah. right? But like, yeah, they grabbed Marvel. And then the second that they got, because I was dying for Star Wars stuff. I thought there was Star Wars stuff coming. They had said they signed the original cast back. I was yeah. happy because I felt episodes one, two, and three were atrocious. And I still take flack to this day for it. <laughs> Um, and for me it's just I think the script sucked and the acting was
1: people like what they like and they hate what they hate I know hate. Just the way I is. get
0: into Jar Jar Binks arguments and I don't yeah. know why um, and so I was excited because they rehired the original crew right but then right after they all signed I know Hamill bitches about this he's like I signed on but then Disney bought them yeah and he was already locked in right
1: yes but. yeah different pot of money could have got more money out of it I bet you
0: oh probably but like I don't like I know Harris like or at least from what I feel from like stuff I don't think Harrison Ford gave a fuck about Han Solo or any
1: Harrison Ford I don't think he cares about the character itself he's just there to do the thing right like, like, like but I think
0: Hamill was more invested in like the ongoing like story of Luke Skywalker yeah.
1: well he was there at the beginning of it right like that was his first thing it was a character he basically created um, you know on screen right like I mean that was one he was one of his first roles. and I think
0: he was genuinely like
1: I think he was invested in the character yeah
0: and I think he was genuinely yeah. friends with Lucas so maybe there was because yeah. didn't they have to reel him in on some interviews where he kept throwing I think so because he kept throwing the movies under the bus and I think finally yeah. all of a sudden he just went quiet yeah and it's like
1: yeah I think so probably reminded him hey we're paying your bills yeah <laughs>
0: Or, yeah, because I think they had to pull him off of some things because he was just unimpressed. But I guess he's back on the set of the new one for nine. Yeah, yeah. But then again, so is Billy D. Williams.
1: Yeah, it was unfortunate that he had to pull out a Saskatoon because they would have liked to have yeah. him. That would have been cool.
0: And I'm sure they're going to virtual um, Carrie Fisher still.
1: From what I understand, that's what they were they were planning to do. For the and their part.
0: virtual stuff looks good. Like yeah. Rogue One, which I enjoyed. Grandma of Tarkin looked great.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of... There's mixed feelings on that one. But, I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was. Like, the original actor's been dead for decades. Like, if we can get... There was people that weren't
0: happy that they used them, or...?
1: Well, people were complaining. Some people were complaining. You know what it's like. Like, just for the likeness of Peter Cushing, or...? Yeah, the the new Avengers trailer just dropped yesterday, and I've been seeing already people hate it, and people love it, and people are, meh. You know, and it's like...
0: The one with Tony Stark in space. Yeah,
1: it's basically a teaser, right? It's just to get the, it's the engine going. Him you know giving I mean? a captain's
0: it's, log, it's nothing... Yeah, it's nothing amazing,
1: <laughs> but this is the, hey guys, don't forget the new movie's coming out in April, right? Like, yeah. We're going to get more trailers that give us the, oh yeah, this is just a little, don't forget
2: we're coming. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? So, and I was like, I was excited just for the fact I'm like, oh yeah, that's coming. Right on, you know? That's and isn't this
0: the last thing that we'll have? to be the last one
1: that's going to have most of that cast, yeah. And the like, contracts are up at the end of this, right?
0: 10 years ago, when Iron Man dropped, like I loved it. It was so could good. you imagine
1: it would be this when that first movie came out? Like, I remember that first, that first, um, after credits scene that came out, and everybody was like, what The hell's going on? Like, just the fact that there was a credit scene at the end. Was that the one it, with Nick Fury? Yeah, yeah. And it tied it into like something bigger. You were like, "Hey, wait a minute."
0: That started the whole. <laughs> started yeah started the whole thing. Yeah, and everyone then learned just because yeah, around. then people would leave, and you'd be like, "They don't know about the after credit Those thing, suckers. right?" Suckers. <laughs> and yeah, and then like the Thor movie would after credit <laughs> into the Cap movie to the whatever. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of an actor that I disagree with. Um, I have friends. Casting wise. Yeah, for I the think main ones. Brilliant. I have friend Thor friends who lose their mind about, um, is it Idris Elba, Eldris... The um, oh, Heimdall.
1: Cool? I thought he was perfect. I mean, it doesn't matter to me what the race of the character is. I, as an actor, I thought, good lord.
0: No, I have some pretty no. stickler Thor friends that yeah. want like them the to Norwegian all look cast, like Norse yeah. Norsemen, right? Yeah. Fine, whatever, right? I can like,
1: see that point. But.
0: but other than that, like... Um, Hemsworth, amazing. Um, the Captain America yeah. guy. Why can't I think of his name? Oh. Chris,
1: uh, Chris is really good. Chris yeah. Evans.
0: Chris yeah. Evans. Um, Downey. Using him as the launching platform.
1: I can't even imagine anybody else playing Tony Stark at this point.
0: And I remember the rumors were that he walked in and he's like, the guy's an alcoholic womanizing playboy.
1: Ta da! Like, Ta-da. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's me. You've cast me as me. Yeah. So, like, he's absolutely perfect for it.
0: It's going to be tough to fill all those shoes.
1: Well, I don't think they will. I think that they're going to launch another set of characters. Mm, I don't know. They may have some, like, derivative characters. There might be an Iron Man-esque character. Maybe somebody takes over as Iron Man. Maybe Rhodey gets a War Machine movie.
0: And there's so many good stories yet to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah.
0: Like, what was the evil group when Norman Osborn had the Iron Man suit?
1: Well, the Sinister Six, they, they were talking about doing a movie about those guys, and then they kind of backed away a bit, but it sounds like... I don't they know, like, on.
0: you went to Venom, is it good?
1: I went to Venom. I liked it from the standpoint of it was just an interesting movie. Um, I mean, the story's kind of weak, it's kind of, you know, it's not amazing. Tom Hardy, um, I thought, did fine as, a, as an actor. I kind of like him as an actor, though. Um, i found is that the bane guy yeah i found the character venom um they were a little cartoony on them but and this is kind of from a cartoonist um but i did enjoy the movie like i got to the end of it and i was like yeah i, I can see another venom movie that'd be interesting because they kind of tease a little bit that carnage is going to be in the i was going to say do they tease thing. carnage and, at all or and so that would be worth seeing carnage and venom would be interesting
0: seeing that yeah i don't know that's when like spider-man was like really clipping along because it was before the clone shit right yeah because i think the the ben riley thing was the beginning of the end
1: yeah that was when tommy Farlane and eric larson and all those guys were on spider-man and they were like when they i mean i guess I remember reading the comic book where venom first appeared and they'd been kind of teasing this character for a while because he had some scenes where. Because like, I don't remember. Michelin was really good at doing this, where he would. He would tease a coming villain, and so like there was a scene where they had Peter Parker standing on, like the, the tram, waiting for like the the subway train, and somebody just comes up and shoves him, in front of the train, doesn't trigger his spider sense at all, and he loses his shit because he ends up on the tracks, almost gets hit by the train, barely gets off the tracks in time, and he's freaking out because he's like what the hell like he's not used to being ambushed right yeah and that was it that was Venom we had no idea hmm and then he would be doing something else he'd be swinging along and somebody out of nowhere would just clock him it was Venom again and he would just tease like little there's just this creature out there that spider mans Spider-Sense doesn't trigger off of and it's fucking with him every now and then and you kind of got like invested in like when is this thing coming? And then when Venom finally appeared in the comic book, it was like, oh my God, it's the symbiote suit. And you're just like, no wonder it's not triggering. You're like, holy shit. And then when he had the mouth, it was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs>
0: I remember the cartoon series did a great job of it. They
1: did. They really played into that with yeah. the cartoon.
0: Because him wringing it off and it going away and then mm-hmm. Eddie Brock getting it and then...
1: Yeah. That was probably the best, honestly, the best version of Venom in a movie was, was the... The animated cartoon versions of Venom.
0: I would maintain that the Spider Man animated series from the early 90s and the Batman animated series from the early 90s the are that and then X Men
1: from the, the adventures late 80s. Of Superman was really good. Yeah. But and it was the same group. Yeah.
0: Anything that. It was the Paul Dini group yeah. that kept doing. Paul like,
1: Dini, the Tim, the Tim group, like Bruce Tim group. Bruce I mean, Tim and Paul Dini. Uh, like that,
0: I all lumped together. But yeah, like the X Men with that dun- 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 dun music yeah. and whatever. That. Yeah, that Spider-Man and Batman, I would say, are the three pinnacle cartoons. And it's
1: probably because they used the comic books as their source for all the stories, right? Like they did Days of Future's Past. In that was the season X-Men three. Comic I think. Book. Season
0: yeah. two was the entire Phoenix saga. Yeah, like
1: you it, took a whole season to the tell whole a story. Put it in the thing.
0: I like first season because it had little bits. Like there was a <coughs> mojo. They did yeah. Mojo World, and then they did a bit with the Sentinels, and then they yeah, you can tell they were kind of trying did a little out. bit with with Sabretooth and kind of telling Wolverine's story. And um, yeah,
1: yeah, I like that they were doing that. And I think that's why I like what I like about what they're doing with the movies is they they do lean on the source comics quite a bit. Like even in this new trailer, there's that scene where Thanos' armor is hanging up like a scarecrow. That's right out of the friggin comic books, man. That's out of the Infinity War. Here's that scene where he's on that planet. He's hung up his armor like a scarecrow, and he's just out there walking around in these fields trying to be all like holistic and shit and (laughs) feeling like he's done this great deed. He was the first vegan. But it's right after he does the, the finger snap, and he's waiting for death to come to him. He did all of this to impress death, and then she rejects him. So it's like they're they're leaning right into the comic book stuff. So I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I can't wait to see some of the characters that I know are coming if they do use them from the comics in this. Like Adam Warlock, we haven't seen him. I'm yet. amazed
0: they haven't done him yet. Well,
1: he's he's in that end scene in Guardians too. He's in that vat. That. That's who they're making.
0: Is that who is in there?
1: Yeah. So he's gonna be in the next movie for sure. I so just th- I think he's gonna pop up in Captain Marvel. Hopefully. Near the end.
0: They've been fantastic with their Easter eggs. Yeah. Like, even in um, Thor 3, the beta- oh, there's yeah. a Beta Ray Bill statue in the background, but you're only going to know that if you're the comic book guy. Right, right? exactly. Because otherwise there's, like, a horse guy, right? Like, you don't right. know the difference. And, and like, the
1: ship that they were on was Beta Ray Bill's ship at the end.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, they do, like, there's enough to let me not... Be upset like Disney yeah. hasn't shit the bed with it. There no. are a few movies that are whatever, but you're not going to hit it out of the ballpark every single time, right? Like, no, Iron Man three would probably be the only real glaring movie that I would never rewatch, right? Like,
1: yeah, Iron Man three was fairly weak. Um, other people- than that. I- think of Dark World, like Thor Dark World, they were like Yeah. They got a kind of a, a bad rap. But I actually didn't mind it.
0: Guardians like, two I even like ego's not my thing, right? And like No,
1: but I liked it.
0: Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. You finally got to find out who his dad was, which was the big mystery, right? I still
1: laughed my ass off with Dave Batista. Ah, my nipples, you know, like that was still funny <laughs> stuff. Like Rocket, you got to see a bit more about the character of Rocket. I mean you got to see that he's kind of struggling to yep. figure himself out and
0: I like it because I like when they take the B people, the B and C crews, yeah. and they make them relevant, and that's kind well, of always been my.
1: I think a lot of that goes down to the writers too. They have some writers who are just good character writers. That's one of the reasons why The Walking Dead is so good when it was good, right? Is because it's the one thing Kirkman does is he's very good at writing characters, like giving a person personality or feeling into an inanimate person on paper that doesn't exist and he, he's able to put in multiple different types of personalities like I don't think it's very often in his stuff that I go oh well you've already done this character like they all seem to be very unique and very interesting and they take everything differently from every other character in Wood and I think that's one of the things that draws me into his stuff is, is the, the way he presents the people like he puts out a problem and then the different people the way that they react to things in in different matters is is what makes it interesting they don't have a canned response right it's not yeah grab our guns go fight the zombies it's, it's everybody reacts differently
0: so. and i think character development at least from what i've read in the last well but i've slowed down big time i think character development really suffers in a lot of things they need the shock it factor does. over character yeah. development
1: well they do they don't realize that the character development is the most important piece that's the part that ties you into that particular character like, it's one of the reasons why everybody... Well, I liked Spider-Man when I was a kid, was uh, Peter Parker seemed like a real person. You know? Like, he had money trouble. He didn't fit in in school. He had a different personality than the guys he was working with. He, had, he was bullied. Uh, he wasn't the popular kid. He lived with his aunt, who was ill all the time, and he was worried about her dying, and he couldn't pay his rent half the time, and... You know, like, it was just like, he was a person. He had issues. There's even that one, the one comic when they did the, um, Craven's Last Hunt. Um, one of the best, like, Spider-Man as a human being scenes I think I've ever read. Um, I think it's Dave Michelin again. He, he has Spider-Man showing up for a funeral for some street-level thug guy that used to give him information who died, and there was a wake for him at some bar. And Spidey shows up to cover his funeral expenses because he feels bad that this guy died. And then he leaves the bar and everybody like sees him and they all run because it's Spidey and they think he's going to bust their heads and stuff. <laughs> all he does is he throws his money on this guy's coffin and he's like, you know, piece of ground. It's the least I can do. And he leaves the bar. And I was just like, that just makes him seem like such a human. You know, yeah, normally he'd be busting you guys up and arresting you, but This guy's died. He feels bad about it. He's helping him out, and I thought, "Wow, what a human thing to do!" Um, Because it shows you he's thinking about his mortality. Yeah. You know, and he's thinking like, "This is all we get." At the end of it, you know, this poor guy, all he has for a funeral is six other scumbags in a bar in Manhattan. He doesn't have enough money for a proper funeral. Yeah. You know, so it's. No, and that's interesting.
0: And I found because I used to always like you start with the big name ones when I started reading yeah. I read Spider-Man and Batman and then I wavered to follow writers and like X-Factor would probably yeah. be my favorite one for just pure character development
1: X-Factor was awesome I love well see I follow artists I like I followed Walter Simonson on X-Factor from Thor yeah um, the very first Marvel comic I ever bought was Thor um, I picked it up um, no I'm sorry the very first comic I bought was Seeger Wars number one i got introduced to thor there's a scene where he's standing on top of like some spaceship thing and it's just a raging storm and he's loving it he's having a great time and i was like i want to know more about this dude (laughs) and i bought thor and i had me walter simonson's run on thor and i bought it i think it was the issue where he gets turned into a frog fuck it was over i went and bought every back issue i could get my hands on I followed it relentlessly. I opened up a file at the Regina Book Exchange. That was that was my gateway comic book guy, and then I got into Spidey, and then Hulk, and then I never got into Fantastic Four. I always found them to be too heady for me. I
0: I tried with them so many times, and after so many reboots, and I don't know what. There's something to me that's not endearing about that family, right? Like they're too unrealistic, and like Human Torch and Thing should be like. Easy sells for kids.
1: Yeah. This guy's a rock. This guy's on fire.
0: Yeah. Like, but then, like, mom and dad, like, who cares, right? Like, he's super genius. He's stretchy. Like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried so many times. So many different writers. So many reboots. They just... I think they got them back with that purchase. I can't remember. It'll be... From what
1: I understand, they're relaunching the comic book. So hmm. I would imagine that they've got their characters back. Disney... Drop them as a comic book altogether, I think, is a point to get the characters. Back.
0: Oh, maybe it'd, <coughs> it'd be nice to see like some Galactus Silver Surfer stuff in the movies. Some of those, like the yeah. fight, like a Fire Lord level guy, like get some of yeah. that stuff going.
1: Galactus never gets done right,
0: he was a cloud in the one movie. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, that's just it. They don't know what to do. Like, I think the current, even Ego. Was hard, probably really hard for them to do, right? Because he's the living planet. But having him running around as Kurt Russell for you know the bulk of the movie, and then you see at the very end the the face on the planet, yeah. you're like, oh shit, this is him. He is the planet. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably the closest you're going to get to a big like intergalactic character type thing. I don't know if they Galactus feel it would be, would be hokey. Amazing. I don't know, like i think they have they probably struggle with the scale the visual scale of him. yeah like because he's big enough that he's bigger than planets Mm-hmm. but yet he interacts with people yeah so that's because he has the heralds
0: kind of on his shoulder yeah. kind of
1: and, and like scale wise that's kind of crazy right like i just i don't know his head would be the size of a planet
0: yeah i just i think maybe like people who don't get it would think he's hokey with that weird with helmet, helmet with the big antennas the things, on it yeah. and like he's in purple and the very the and, very
1: curvy design
0: yeah but like i don't think i don't think they realized how much money was in it until it happened yeah and then it's been yeah. snowballing out of their control maybe at some times but i wish like i want marvel to have all of its toys back and then go from there. like.
1: That would be nice. Yeah.
0: Back the truck up full of money to Hugh Jackman's house and squeeze a few more movies out of him. Especially I, if they can get him and Ryan I've Reynolds. Re- I've read
1: a few things that Ryan wants to do a, a, a Wolverine cameo in, in an X-Factor movie. So that would be amazing.
0: I just... Because wasn't he making fun of
1: Jackman? He always pokes fun of Jackman.
0: Like... I, like Always. I think some of it is like Ernest prodding to get him to do like a Wolverine Deadpool project. Oh, for sure. Because who wouldn't go to that?
1: He loves that character.
0: Like, I didn't like the last one, but...
1: It yeah, had its moments. The, the Logan movie was a really good send-off, though. Yeah. I mean...
0: And I think people wanted to see X-23. Yeah. As a character.
1: Yeah, she's pretty pretty interesting. She's super
0: cool. And yeah. I think they're always looking for that iconic kick-ass female character now Well, and
1: also the next generation right like the next thing to roll into yeah (laughs) i mean all the characters they've had on film so far are getting older it's harder to um you can't just replace all the actors all the time yeah you know they kind of did that when they did the new generation of x-men
0: i I guess yeah with uh i can't even remember but how do you replace like Suri and mckellen and patrick stewart right but i think they picked some pretty decent guys to do I it think like, they
1: have. they've done fairly well future's
0: past i liked
1: i, liked I it. didn't
0: like apocalypse but
1: he's another one of those tough characters to put on screen
0: i yeah i just it felt rushed and it's like it's so much to squeeze into one
1: movie right it is it's a lot because this his story alone is quite large
0: and they did it without sinister <clears throat> right yeah. I don't think I saw Mr. Sinister in there. I don't think they've done a really good version of uh, Emma Frost yet. Um, if they did the modern school with, like, her and Cyclops yeah. running it, I think that'd be super cool. That'd be interesting. Um, I liked her kind of bitchy way of running the school.
1: Right. Yeah, she had a... Um,
0: like, the very headmistress. But she was from the Hellfire yeah, Club, she was right? from the Hellfire Club, yeah. Have they even done Hellfire Club properly? Like, I know... I don't think they have. Kevin... Was it Kevin Bacon with Sebastian Shaw?
1: Yeah, but... It, but it was quick it mm-hmm. wasn't like a proper but
0: that's the thing i think they're trying to use characters and
1: <clears throat> like
0: yeah. oh look we used them right but like did you use them well like
1: yeah they're more than just a little plot device they gotta be a story
0: like yeah. look at the schumacher films <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for batman right like you had like a little bit of poison ivy this crappy wrestler guy playing bane and you had like it's just yeah
1: yeah they threw everything in they're there
0: they're trying to put 50 pieces into a
1: it was kind of the thing with the Spider-Man movie, the last one. You know, they were Homecoming? talking about wanting to put in more villains, and then they decided just to go with what they went with, which I think was probably a way better way to do it. Because when you add in too many villains, you don't get to focus on anybody. You get there's just too much going on. It's too hard, and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna jip somebody. You're gonna jip some somebody out of.
0: I like the way the cartoon did it, where they had one episode with Rhino showing how he's down. Well, that's just it,
1: down, it. You introduce them all. Then one for
0: Electro, and then, one for Doc Ock. Yeah. And take some patience and do it with the movies. Even like, the
1: Spider-Man game that I just finished. Um, 100% complete, by the way. <laughs> First one I've done like that in a long time. Um, the story writing was awesome. You, you, You as a character are working with Otto Octavius, before he becomes Dr. Octopus. Oh, cool. And then as the story rolls out, you fight the Rhino. You see Scorpion. You see Electro. Mysterio, all the classics. You start seeing all these different characters throughout the game. And then there's there's a section of the game, spoiler alert, where those characters are escaping the raft and you're fighting the Sinister Six all by yourself and you're getting your ass kicked because it's the Sinister Six Yeah, (laughs) and you're on your own but you get that feeling of like wow it's daunting it's like yeah the vulture the rhino scorpion they're all there and you're like holy shit you know and then you gotta go and try and take them down so it's it's, uh, I thought it was super well done I was like they need to take this and put it into a movie
0: but that's yeah, like that was the video game of the summer and beginning of fall, right? And then, oh, Re- yeah. and I think Red Dead's kind of the winter game de facto. I
1: haven't picked it up yet because I don't have time to play right.
0: Then that's a thing, right? But like yeah. just from watching Twitch, Red Dead's been the console game, and before that, Spider Man was yeah. the console game. But there's a new Smash coming out, but Spidey, that's not a story one, right? Spidey
1: like, felt really good to play. Like the fighting was very.
0: I heard they captured the um, gameplay okay. of being Spider Man
1: yeah like you feel like spider-man yeah like you swing from building to building and it feels very satisfying the combat very satisfying that's good you get the feeling of being spider-man like there are spots where you're jumping onto a wall jumping off the wall webbing one guy punching this guy swinging shit around (laughs) like you're just you're everywhere dodging things your spider sense goes off people are shooting missiles at you like it's it's like the the action's like intense like it just comes at you from all sides but like it's the same guys that did the batman arkham games oh and so they have a good idea of combat systems like that right but they they dumped the stuff i hated about being in the batman games like it felt like the batman combat because you're batman you're not jumping around and doing shit no it's more you're kind of in skulking in the dark yeah and then dive and some down and some punch like them. yeah some of the trying to be sneaky and, and rope guys up to this, the rafters and a lot of like rays and trying to just not get and kicked. gadgets yeah gadgets <coughs> Spider-Man was more like it's you versus them and you're jumping around like a maniac trying not to get shot and webbing guys to shit and, and it was it was a lot more fun
0: yeah the Arkham games made me sad because I sucked at them And being such a Batman fan, I would have even liked to just have gone through for the story part of it, right? I've beaten a
1: lot of them. It's hard. But I hate chasing after all those stupid Riddler trophies. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I hated that part. That was so (laughs) annoying. Do we need 260 trophies in a game to go after? Like, Do we honestly need... Because then it becomes a grind, right? This from
0: the guy chasing his 400th mount. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. Well yeah, exactly. Um but I mean fourteen years into the game I should get them all. Um but with with the Batman game I found that that was such a distraction that it would take me out of being Batman. Right? Oh okay yeah. Like you see would, I just
0: followed the main Yeah. You know.
1: Like with Spidey, most of your collectibles were collectibles you got along the way. Yeah. Like not hidden a in this hallway. Pack, yeah. Right. And it's cool oh, with some stuff I left here when I was in high school. Or you go by and you'd find a new Daily Planet, you know, or Daily Bugle. Uh, newspaper and it would be that's what you would collect or you'd be swinging through the city and jay jonah jameson would come up with one of his podcasts so you just had to play the game long enough to get all the podcasts to come up kind of a thing (laughs) so all the collectibles in that one were like logistically you're in this area doing a thing and oh by the way you collected something while you were doing the thing it was like it was part of the game it didn't take you out of it to go and do it you know whereas i found the, the the arkham stuff a lot of the collectibles, it was like almost a hunt. You almost had to spend like an entire week just looking on a map. Okay, did I get all of them from within this 10 block radius? No. <laughs> right, all the way back over there.
0: I think with video games, they get a little more leeway to tell the story they want. Like I think so. Um, Battlefront um, <clears> 2, <throat> I think they finally cleaned it up after the entire loot box controversy when they launched But the story mode...
1: You mean the shameless cash grab offended people?
0: Have you heard how much they make off their FIFA games?
1: It's incredible.
0: $650 million. A year. So you can buy... Yeah. So you can buy packs and hope to get Ronaldo. Right. I don't get it.
1: It's gambling.
0: It is. And I put that up on my Facebook and I didn't... I I forgot that most of my friends aren't nerdy. Because like after listening to the whole case there's Scandinavian countries have completely banned loot boxes right
1: Belgium is taking them to court right now because they refuse to remove those things from their games and Belgium has deemed loot boxes to be equal to gambling Yeah. so I think this was you know I really wish that the industry would pay attention and start getting this under control but it's going to come to a point where governments are going to start legislating to them what they can and can't do yep And that's unfortunate that they're not willing to. That's that that business mentality of money versus the reward, right? Like, that's that's the FIFA game itself. The whole draw of it when I used to play FIFA games was you were playing a soccer game with your buddies to try to win the World Cup. That was the game. Now the game is can I build the ultimate team to play against people online to always win? And to do that, I you have a point zero one percent chance of, of getting Ronaldo out of a pack. Right. right, a bunch of virtual packs that don't exist. I'm going to pull the lottery, you know, until I get all the people I need. Yep. to beat everybody. 100% it's paid to win. Time. It's totally paid to win. Except you don't have an option to just buy specific players. You have to buy yep. packs until you find those players. But where are they going and to draw the line then, packs.
0: though? Is it only going to be that way digitally, or is that going to start impacting something like Magic the Gathering? It's as already a sealed
1: product, as as a sealed product, right? Like, look at people that have figured out based on UPC codes where to find all the ultra rare cards in a, in a box of you know booster box, right? Like they've they've already figured out the math to figure out. They call it uh, uh, booster mining. You know, oh
0: God! I see. I never buying even...
1: a, a sealed box of booster packs, choosing which ones have the higher higher chances of having. The cards that are worth the money. On
0: the rarity scheme. See, that's... And then
1: reselling that booster pack because you didn't buy. that You didn't open.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's... (coughs) It bugs me. And I think like EA and DICE are the ones that made Battlefront and they took a massive beating and I think the stocks yeah. plummeted pretty bad for EA.
1: EA's taking a beating because PR-wise they've taken a beating for the last year and a half. And
0: now Battlefield Five is their next one and it's delayed. It's and
1: so loaded up with, with transactions. It's ridiculous. So
0: you yeah. thought they would have learned because it took them a year to fix Battlefront?
1: They're not going to learn. They, they don't want to learn. Yeah, they want they, to make money. Well, it's not even just EA. because like it's, it's EA stakeholders, right? It's it's all the guys that like, sit in that boardroom. It's not up to the designers of the games. The designers of the games don't go into designing the game with the intent of how much money can I fleece out of my player. Yeah. They go into the game saying, I want to build this cool game. Then somebody above them says, okay, that's a great game, but also we got to pack all of this shit into that game, okay? And make it really, really slow and tedious to get to the point where you can get the stuff without paying for it.
0: It would have... The original launch it was sixty hours of grinding to get Vader yeah. or pay money.
1: Or pay money. And well, they had to rip to it to out because people
0: lost their minds.
1: Yeah. Nobody's gonna spend sixty hours grinding to get that that Vader. They wanna pay the money.
0: But on the other hand, like you said, the story mode yeah. is probably a better plot than three quarters of the Disney movies making right. Star Wars. Yeah. Great that like they've now taken the main character from that Aiden Versio. Super cool character. They have. It's a story like, it starts when they blow up the Death Star above above Endor, right? And she's one of their main like elite stormtroopers, and she's stuck on the planet, and it's you like escaping, figuring out you don't like the Empire and becoming a good person, and it's a redeeming story, right? Right. Super well done. Super great. Six to seven hours of gameplay, which isn't bad, right? Like
1: no, it's about it's about average.
0: Um, but yeah, and now they're introducing her to like. She's one of the pilots that they've added to the reboot of the X-Wing game, right? Like,
1: I used to love that game when I was younger. The X-Wing, X-Fighter, uh, Starfighter games. Yeah,
0: so like, yeah. the story mode was great. The online PvP was radical pay-to-win.
1: Well, the game was designed to be an eSport. That's the biggest problem. Yeah, it's... You know?
0: But who do you... But then there's something like Overwatch where no skin gives you any advantage. So the loot boxes right. are purely cosmetic. But the loot
1: boxes are still in that game, and people buy them because they want the skins, right? Not that it gives them an advantage.
0: No, and that's the thing with Fortnite. Nothing gives you an advantage, right? right?
1: That's the difference with the way Blizzard's been doing it versus um, EA. EA,
0: it's a competitive you Completely
1: advantage. get an advantage. Like look at their their um, their Lord of the Rings game that they had out. That they had to strip all that stuff out of the whole game was geared towards you needing to get those loot boxes to actually beat the game. See, and yeah. if you couldn't finish the game without those loot boxes, then are you really playing a game? No. That's, you know, um, and that's that's where I get frustrated as a player of games. Like, to me, the whole idea is you're supposed to be doing this for entertainment purposes, right? And I'm supposed to feel good after I've walked away from playing your game. Or frustrated. If I've played your game, it's really hard and it's beating me. I can be frustrated about that, but I'll come back and try again, right? Like, but if I'm playing a game and it's so painfully obvious that unless I stick a quarter in the machine mm-hmm. and <laughs> I'm not getting past this boss, I'm going to just unplug that game and walk away, right? Like, there's already been a few games I've purchased on my PlayStation 4 this year where I haven't gotten very far in them because it just feels like an immediate grind. The new Assassin's Creed game, I love the Assassin's Creed world because I love... The amount of detail that they would put into it like I played the the one where you're running around Victoria London and it was pre-loot shit it was just all there was a store in the game but it was more cosmetic-y stuff yep. and it was like yeah you could buy this special cloak or you could pay for a mission where you go after Jack the Ripper or whatever but it wasn't like if you want to win the game you need to buy all of these things mm-hmm. and I loved it I played it all the way to the finish I completed it it was awesome great story enjoyed it New game comes out this year. It's a terrible slog fest. It's noticeably painful to play unless I put money in to pay for advantages. There's little boosts you can buy for your character.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, now you've lost me as a player because I'm just not going to bother. Like, I'm not going to bang my head against the wall to enjoy myself playing your video game. Yeah. I'm going to just walk away and say, well, I guess that's 60 bucks I've earned. But. I'm not going to play it. And then there's games I've bought for $10 that are like amazing. I bought this game for my daughter, um, Song of the Deep. And it's a simple little side-scrolling thing where you're controlling a submarine trying to solve puzzles underwater to find your dad underwater. Aww. And it's such a stupid little game. But she and I have played the crap out of it because it's pretty straightforward and easy to play. Yeah. And there's no loot boxes in it so she'll play it until she's done the game
0: I was shocked because Fallout 76 has been taking a beating I gotta figure out I
1: haven't played it I haven't looked at it
0: I heard it but it's got it's so funny because it's like the critic rating is like 80 and then like the Metacritic rating from people is like 0.2 that
1: shows you how much the Metacritic or the ratings are are influenced by the publishers right like
0: you can say the same about Rotten Tomatoes though sure look at the differences in some of those
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely anytime you look at any movie and you look at what the critics are saying versus what people have seen the movie are saying it's always going to be vastly different because everybody has different opinions right everybody you know you you and I might see the same movie and and I'll hate it and you'll love it my son and I went to see The Nun and I absolutely didn't enjoy it at all I thought it was hilarious I thought it was one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen in my life he loved it
0: (laughs) yeah generations will have their own things too right like just because we've seen more crap, so we'll have a different opinion. I think so.
1: To me, it was a very formulaic film, and I just I was like, jump scare, jump scare, scary thing, jump scare. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, but we were also raised on Freddy Krueger and the original Jason, yeah, and Friday
1: the Thirteenth and Halloween, and yeah, so um, all that stuff. So
0: the yeah. ones that scared the shit out of me as a kid was Hellraiser.
1: Yeah, Hellraiser really was really terrifying because it was the, such a bizarre world. Yeah,
0: the box, yeah, and yeah. Um, just the way those guys pinhead pinhead and his and his couple lackeys or whatever like yeah i don't and just because they always had those flashing images of hooks with chains and then pulling and like yeah that traumatized clive
1: barker as a writer his stuff is very scary because it's all like so out there but some of it seems almost plausible you know what i mean yeah it's like if hell actually did exist on earth that's probably what it'd be like (laughs) i should
0: rewatch those because i had no idea what was going on it just was so so
1: jumpy and scary yeah yeah
0: but just him as a character is so iconic to me right like Mm
1: -hmm. i see a lot of people cosplay that character in my mind and sometimes i see these guys doing and i wonder have you actually seen the movie
0: (laughs) well it's what night was it 80s (laughs) it It had to have been
1: he's like 40 years old right like pinhead yeah 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 I wonder if they even found it like is it on Blu-ray somewhere? and how many
0: Haunted Hill versions have there been and how many Exorcists have that there show's been that has been remade
1: I think at least four times how many
0: Polter has Poltergeist they all must have been redone Poltergeist
1: they just did a more recent one um, last year I think it wasn't as good as the. I mean nothing's going to beat the original stuff the fog
0: I'm assuming yeah, all like all, all the, f- the the thing. original
1: fog man that movie messed me up for days uh, like yeah John Carpenter's The Thing was great that's a classic movie um
0: yeah. Netflix had an amazing documentary about all the Nightmare on Elm Streets.
1: I watched it. Yeah. It was so that good. That was good. Yeah.
0: I almost have more fun watching the making of stuff now, like the Back to the Future making of was really yeah. good. The Ninja Turtles history
1: was really good. I watched that one with my daughter because she loves the Ninja Turtles. She's super into the Turtles. And uh, she's got all of my original Turtles. She plays with them. And uh, so we watched the movies, you know, secretly who's the first Turtles movie and all that stuff she liked Bebop and Rocksteady she thought they were pretty cool but then seeing the turtles the actors inside the suits with the heads off she was like you tell tell she was trying to kind of put that together that that wasn't really a Ninja Turtle on the screen <laughs>
0: boo that it was a dude in a costume yeah
1: and it was like I don't know if I want to know the rest yeah <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I killed the magic a little for yeah. You on that
0: yeah I just like that Kevin Nash was the super shredder
1: I know I know <laughs> I just I love that stuff I always love the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm one of those guys that watches all the documentaries.
0: That's why my favorite job ever, and always will be my three years of blockbuster video.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Just hey, get, get to, to live be, the movie thing. Get to live the movie life. That's that's pretty. Amazing. I'm gonna let you
0: go. I've talked your ear off, or hey, vice versa. Good. Thank you. This was my one year. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Um, again. I will Hello leave. Whole world. You, I'll promise to leave you alone for another thousand. So I have goals. <laughs> so I have goals set at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt.
0: Right on. So what were your projects again, if you want to go over them?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm in Gnarly Magazine, Cartoons Magazine. I'm in a bunch of newspapers and stuff. I'm also, I've got uh, Ig the Idiot Caveman coming out right away. It's a graphic novel. And I've got two Jason of New York City graphic novels that will be out this year as well. So.
0: Will they be able to get your Tall Grass t-shirts online anywhere?
1: I think they're going to be on the website uh, as soon as he starts making them up. And uh, we should have some prints available as well. And they have some of the coloring books in stock at their store, at the Centennial Mall? Centennial
0: Mall. Yep. Yeah, the old Sears Clearance yeah. Center.
1: So pop on down there and say hi and pick up some stuff. It would be great um, for
0: Christmas. That's great
1: Christmas stuff. Great Saskatchewan stuff. He uh, does some really great designs. It's always nice to buy local and support somebody doing something they love too. So. Yeah,
0: I'm glad yeah. that. I know it's like I said. I'm really happy that you guys kind of if anything i fostered i fostered some kind of business communication for you guys so yeah awesome thank you very much
1: hey you're welcome thanks for having me